Big show today. What's up, everyone in chat? I see you all. We got a bunch of guests coming on. First up at 12, uh, who's our first guest? At Brian Feraldi is our first guest at noon today. Uh, he's, an, he's, um, he's, he's, a, he's an Aaron Bree contact. Uh, that's he's got a, a book coming out. That's a segment that, that we're both very excited for. We got Jesse Kaler, who is going to be wearing his Cincinnati Bengals gear at 1230. We got uh, Jeff Kamiz uh, at 1 o'clock. Uh, new guest. He is going to talk to us about sports betting, which is the industry that he is most active in. Uh, but he's also the chief investment officer of a, uh, of a fund. And uh, in between all that, we'll do trivia. We'll do get name that chart. chart. We'll do crypto update. We'll do some questions from the chat. We'll just hang out. It's Friday. That's what we do. Oh, I forgot about our last guest, Rick Tacosta. Oh, I'm so sorry, Rick. Rick Tacosta. You said one, Jesse Kaler too, right? I said Jesse. One thirty today. Rick Tacosta, the president of Fit Traders, will be on with us. We're going to talk like trading, but also like trading psychology with Rick at one thirty Eastern time today. So you know what to do. Hit that like button. Yo, roll that intro. Where's Woo. my intro at? Roll it. Roll it. This is Ben Zinga Live. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show to talk to my POs. Jake Wajasic from Trend Spider. We have a. Yep, you heard that. You heard that. What's up? What's up? What's up, RJ? Talk to me, Goose, Proton, Shelly, Easy Mike, Mark, Miss White Horse, my dad. My dad's in the chat. What's up, my dad? My dad doesn't talk to me anymore. Damn. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what's up, dad? How are we doing? All right. Um, where do you want to start here, Aaron? You want to start with the Amazon thing? Or you want to start with this, this take, two, take Two stuff? Or jobs report. Or whatever trades you got overnight. Okay, we can, we can start with that. Let's start with Aaron's trades. Aaron's got some trades. Trades on trades on trades. Well, trade complete pretty much. I do have one. So yesterday we talked about the Clorox puts. Yeah. I went out and uh, I, I went out and got those puts. Let me let me pull this up on my. On my yeah, phone. recall that Aaron was bearish Clorox because he looked at their slowing the the fact that their revenue was slowing, really since COVID. Uh, since, well, since they got the COVID boost. So this contract of 162 put that expires today. The stock currently trading at 141.24. Um, I picked this up for $245 yesterday. It's currently worth uh, more than 2100 2100 for a wow. 767% return. I, I've got some breaking news here, Aaron. The ski trip is back on. True. That is, yep, it is back on. A hundred percent. And for any, I, I should sell this right now, but I had multiple other contracts that I sold. I just kind of kept one to see what would happen. And honestly, I should have held the others because Clorox opened at like 146 and then came all the way down to 140. So um, had I held on a little bit longer, would have been some better returns. But hey, can't, Aaron, can't go broke taking profits. Aaron and I talked about me buying some puts on Pinterest. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, on Pinterest and or Snapchat. And man, am I glad I didn't do that. I would I would have been roasted this yeah. morning. Which, oh boy! Which I also did. I I had a put spread on Amazon. We talked about playing Amazon. Yeah. I, I wanted to play it one way or the other, and I was I was more like upset last night that I missed out on Amazon. I didn't really think about the Clorox thing as much. Yeah. And then I realized like kind of this morning I was like, shoot, if Clorox opens at like one forty three, I have all these puts at like 
157. I was like, I have like five contracts and the intrinsic value of each one will be more than a thousand dollars. And I didn't even think about it. Like I was, I was more like beating myself up over the Amazon trade. Yeah, man. So it was a nice little, uh, nice, nice surprise this morning. All right. Aaron is hot. Listen, when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. He's hot right now. Yeah. Can't argue with the results. Um, as for any trades I'm looking at right now, I've been looking at a few, but I, I'm not getting into any right now. I do like take, I mean, well, Take Two had some news here. Yeah, we should talk about this. Yeah, so I'm going to go to the headline in Benzinga Pro. Where else would I find it, frankly? Take Two, it was actually a tweet this morning from, uh, it was, it was, uh, was it from Rockstar? Yeah, it was, it was from Rockstar Games, which Take Two owns. And they confirmed, drumroll please, a new GTA, a new Grand Theft Auto installment is coming soon. In progress. GTA, I, I believe that's the highest selling game franchise ever, I think. Uh, it's either that or Call, Call of Duty, Duty. Halo. No, it's more than Halo, I think. I think last time I checked, GTA, it was either GTA or Call of Duty. One of those two. Um, but GTA um, 6 is coming. When? I don't know. Soon? Probably not. But at some point, it's coming. Will it be... Um, only available in in the metaverse. Who knows? Dude, that is one game that'll be crazy once like it's everything's VR. Dude, can you <laughs> even imagine? Oh, oh man, that'll be problematic. Anyway, can you wait? Where's my take two chart? Uh, let's get it up on the screen right now. I have this is not take two. This is Clorox. This is Clorox. Get that off the screen. Take two. Fifteen minute chart. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. Up five point three eight percent today. Almost nine dollars, solely because of Grand Theft Auto. Uh, yeah, I this mean, this is the power of GTA. But Take Two making another Grand Theft Auto was always a given, and I mean, it was. I assume, yeah, I know. If anything, but it's can... late, so it, it's like. So you're saying the market is dumb? No, you can say that. I won't argue with it. I'm not saying it's dumb. It's just not always uh, perfectly corrected, I guess. I mean, I you know, there's a difference between like thinking, like assuming a game is coming and then knowing it's coming. But anyway, take two. We now know their 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 cash cow uh, is is coming back for another round. So anyway, that take two chart, um, man, stocks are funny. We're we're almost back. So it, it had a couple of days of weakness uh, right ahead of the announced acquisition of Zynga, but we're almost. Let's see, where do we close the year at? We closed 2021 at 177. Only six bucks off that. It's been a very nice uh, almost month, almost 30 days for, for Take Two here. I do think, even with this news aside, Take Two stock was already kind of undervalued a little bit. So I don't think, um, you know, this is like the short term ceiling for Take Two by any means. We, um, we will be. Uh, covering this more i suspect in the coming weeks and months we have a uh there's a group in within benzinga that is a group we have a group of pretty diehard gamers i know aaron thomas i know a couple guys on our news desk are hardcore gamers i imagine they will want to talk about this so we'll be talking about this this development more uh as we know more but while we're on take two let's pull up um this ATVI chart. 
Someone tell me why we shouldn't just buy. Can you pull up an options chain real fast? Of what? Of of Activision. Yep. What what kind of strikes are available right now on Activision? Depends on the expiration date. Can I? I okay. Can I go out like mm, eight months? The problem is, is, is it's not going to be very volatile because I mean, look at the look at the one month chart after the deal is announced. It just is all right. So there's a time. Flat. There's a time decay. So screw the options. Why shouldn't I just buy Activision right now? Right? Um, Why shouldn't we all just buy Activision right now? What was the buyout price? Eighty five. Ninety five. Oh, ninety five. Ninety five dollars. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a question of does the deal go through? Why wouldn't the deal go through? I don't know. I have no clue. I don't think there's an antitrust issue. I mean, it, it was someone would have to like back some one party of the deal would have to like back out. I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah, it's always possible. Okay, so, don't place options close to the midterm elections. Okay, that's like a good rule of thumb. Actually, um, I played options on some healthcare stocks during Super Tuesday of the 2020 elections. When Biden swept, like, for a while it looked like Bernie Sanders was going to be the, the Democratic nominee. And yeah. then Biden swept on Super Tuesday. And they all ripped? Yeah. All the, like, United Healthcare was up 10% the next day. Yeah. That's and funny. I had options, on, I had calls on them. So, yeah. You can play, I guess, some political events like okay. that. Okay. Should, should we all just start buy some, some ATVI? Um, yeah. I guess the on the options front, because you got you to go out at least a year because they, they, they themselves, well, no, you don't have to go out a year because. Presumably, the deal would, would be confirmed before it closes. They said it wouldn't close until next year. But you would think before that we would have at least some... Wow, we haven't seen Bitcoin in the 40,000 since uh, January 20th. Are you saying that BTFD works? Uh, I mean... It hasn't worked if you bought I... any of these dips, but who knows? I I bought some, uh, Bitcoin. some Bitcoin. I buy I buy Bitcoin on ETH every month now, once a month. I don't. That's not me making a market call. That's me just dollar cost averaging I'm into cryptocurrency. I'm just going to sell this last put. Do it. And then if we find anything interesting, eh, who knows? Maybe we can deploy some more capital. All right. So I'm trying to buy some some ATVI. I think in like my Fidelity account just for like, come on. We're talking 16 bucks here. Yeah. It's not nothing. Let's do it. All right. That's on my list. I'm going to open up the Fidelity account right now. Let's go. Uh, let's go over here. I'm going to get some Activision. I have not thought this through at all. Someone tell me why this is a bad idea right now before I do it. To buy Activision? Yeah. I don't know if there's any, if there's anything to look why the deal would fall through. Let me look it up real quick. I'm logging in. Oh, hell yeah, Daniel. Nice job. Nice job. How much how, how many how much tendies did you get? <laughs> tendies? <laughs> I haven't heard that. I, I haven't heard anyone say the word tendies in uh like out loud. That's not a word that people say. It's a word you type. You I don't just, I just did. You don't say that word. You type that word. Uh okay. Action. I wanna buy the stock. Um <clears throat> let's buy it's gonna be a little bit of a position here not nothing super crazy um wait 
Okay, Microsoft chief hails $75 billion deal. Sounds like that's good news. Uh, Microsoft CEO doesn't think Activision deal will be blocked. Voodoo, tell me now before I, I've got my finger on the buy button. Uh, Microsoft's Activision deal will be subject to FTC review. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, uh, yeah, of course, of course it will. Um, by Unity, I'm not trying to make a call. Oh, ooh, I mean, I'm ooh. Not. Microsoft says it will it'll still be a smaller game company than Sony after Activision deal. I love that move. Like, hey, we can't. We don't have an antitrust issue. Look over there; they're bigger than us. <laughs> Look over there; they're bigger. Yeah. All right. Small position, twenty shares. Done. Was All this right. was this in it's your done. mom's uh, parents' account? Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Fair. A Activision shares acquired. Fair. <laughs> Cost basis. Um. What's my cost basis there? Seventy nine twenty three. Right at the market right now. That's me. All right, got that done. Someone remind me to check on this in a week, <laughs> just, what is, just so I don't forget about this. No, the Activision deal was in twenty twenty two. I was gonna say that would have been a funny uh, stock to pick as your twenty twenty two stock of the year. Yeah. If you just like thought the deal was going to go through and it's an easy, what is that? 20, it's 20%, more than 20% or a little less than 20%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go back. We haven't talked about Amazon yet today. Let's do Amazon. Uh, that report last night was good, but confusing. So here, let's go to a news feed here in Amazon. Um, just want to scroll a little bit to, to, to last night. All right. So a few things I want to point out. Number one, if you're trading earnings, like in the after-hour session, um, the numbers can be very confusing. Case in point last night. The number that was in the press release for Amazon for their EPS was $27.75. That's a big old number. But that's ridiculous. $27 of earnings per share? That The only companies that, that have that are companies that have like no sh like like booking which has like no like super small float right um and a lot of uh earnings uh the the re the truer number the truer number was the adjusted eps of $5.80 now that's also good cuz the estimate was now in like the 367 range so it was still a good a good earnings print but everyone was citing this $27 number earnings per share number and like yes that's real but it's unadjusted, right? We have to we have to adjust these things for some one. For example, adjust for um, selling your stake in a EV company like Rivian, which Amazon did. Amazon got like half their profits last quarter from the Rivian stake. So again, asterisks. We have to take the asterisks out. That being said, it was still a good quarter. AWS, which is the engine here. Revenue came in above estimates. It would, revenue came in, I believe, at $17.8 billion when they were calling for $17.3 billion. Bottom line is AWS is growing at a 40% clip every single quarter, um, and you can't stop it. It was a good report, especially in the context of the Facebook report from the day before. And I know they're not the same business, but the market treats them similar because they're mega cap tech stocks. Well, and Amazon... Uh 
you know, also kind of unlifted its lid on its advertising business, which is similar That's to Facebook. That's true. Tell, tell us more. Um, so basically, Amazon has advertising revenue through its website, and they've always been kind of more on the hush-hush about its numbers on how much um, they make strictly from advertising. And then in last night's report, for the first time, they categorized it separately so that you could see exactly how much money they have. I, I believe it was $28 billion or something last year. Um, and wow. it, it, someone said it was in line with the total amount of ad sales throughout all newspapers in the country. Just I, on Amazon. I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that part is similar to Facebook, and they out-exceeded expectations, or they exceeded expectations in the ad front where Facebook failed. So uh, that was another thing investors liked about the Amazon front. But end of the day, yeah, I mean, at one point it was up, what, 16 17% after hours? Now it's only up 10 yeah, so you really just have to keep an eye on two numbers, right? Your pre-market high, your pre-market low. And do, and, 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 and do you hold them? That's the question, right? So in Amazon's case, like, yeah, this is, I mean, we're, we're up huge today. What are we up today? I'm not looking at my, we're up 13%, right? We're significantly off the high last night. Now, that was kind of dumb, right, getting to, well, how high did we get? 3300 that was kind of kind of dumb this is not the kind of market that rewards chasers if you're chasing stocks up like that you, you very seldom get rewarded um so let's just see how it goes the rest of the day really in the last half hour is what i want to know um do we leak into the close or do we just hold steady if we hold steady then all right that gives us a leg to stand on here but the mood is still tenuous. Facebook was alarming. They're not just the report, but the stock move. They basically lost an entire Costco, like worth, like in, in their market cap. Like it was the largest uh, slide in market cap in one day. Yeah, in, in stock, two hundred billion dollars in one day. Now that also speaks to the fact that these companies are just so freaking large. Yeah, there's never been companies worth this much in the history of humanity. They're just so big. Um, but what I would say is that with the with the earnings we saw last night between Snapchat and Pinterest, it kind of pointed at that maybe Meta's problems are, are just Facebook's problems. Well, I'm glad you brought those up, those reports up, because Snapchat's report um, was good. I didn't see that coming. Um, apparently, Snapchat has been able to deal with Apple's privacy changes better than facebook has um, i think facebook's i think zuckerberg's just kind of leaning on that as an excuse at this point i mean their, maybe. their users are declining that's the bottom line which well, you can't have as a well for a long time their growth came from instagram and it came from whatsapp and so you're saying on facebook's website it had been declining for a while i i mean I, that's why they that's why they bought instagram right yeah. i mean <laughs> had to come from somewhere there's nothing wrong with buying growth no right no um, Those but, were great moves. WhatsApp is WhatsApp is huge. WhatsApp is is a literal necessity item. Like we can live without Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. People can't live without WhatsApp. Yeah. People literally rely on that to talk to their 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 loved ones. So, um, hey, I just got word that uh, President Biden is started speaking. If you'd rather watch him. First off, why? Come on, yeah. Why would you do that? But we are streaming that 
on our channel right now. Um, anyway, so, okay, but I, what, what I was saying, though, was the Sinatra report was cool. They are profitable for the first time, net income. The Pinterest report was not that good, honestly. Their user growth is also slowing. It just wasn't as bad as Facebook's. Facebook was like disaster territory. That's what I said yesterday when we were talking about Snapchat. I said the bar's been set so look, low. Look at this Pinterest chart. This is what I was just saying. Pre-market highs, pre-market lows. We, 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 we broke through the pre-market low right off the bat. Or not right off the bat, but what was the pre-market low? 25.28. What's the low of the day? Yeah, 25.14. We, we broke that. This is ugly. This is ugly. Yeah, we're up 5% today. Big whoop. Should we talk about Clorox real quick? I know we joked about it yesterday. No one cares about Clorox, but I mean, yeah, you Clorox know, is like a consumer staple. You don't see this often in a stock like Clorox down okay. 14%. Positive spin zone? Yeah. This is a this is a, a defensive name. Okay? Defensive name uh in an inflationary environment, people are still going to be buying Clorox products. They need to. Right? So, this is bad today obviously um don't mistake clorox like don't put don't, don't want clorox in with meta don't want clorox in with like i don't know roblox or square or paypal different company different business yeah i mean for for context we're now below pre-covid levels oh already let's zoom out on the weekly yeah <gasps> oh shoot holy crap we are I agree, though. I mean, I, this stock, it's not going to be, I mean, hopefully it's not going to continue crap. dropping that. Clorox went from, let's just call it, we'll, call, we'll say February 2020. And it went from, uh, what, like, we'll just say 160. 160 to 240, just about. All right. And it went just now from, two, well, not just now, but from, from 160 to 240 in... In, in five months, six months, six months, in six months, and over the course of the last year and a half, we've given all of it back. Wow. That's dramatic. Yeah, let, let, let us know in the, in the chat if y'all have any trade ideas out there. Uh, thank you, Voodoo. Peso saying Clorox is a buy. Yeah, I mean, Jay Rice is right. If you if you're a defensive name and you miss, you're you're gonna get hit. Your job is to not miss. Your job is to meet those targets. Well, everyone's job is to meet the targets. Frankly, um, a, a company like Clorox should should be given more slack than a growth company. Than a growth company because everyone knows you're not buying Clorox for the growth. No one buys Clorox because it's a high growth company. Yeah, but I think to see, I think to see the variation in Clorox's rev, I think like the same quarter last year it was like double or triple the revenue wow. they reported yesterday. So to see like a significant like a fifty percent drop off in revenue or something that drastic in a defensive name is going to be seen as you know just something that can't happen with those names. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else we got here? Uh... Sup, born to be free. How are we doing? How are we doing? Um, before we, we do or bring on our first guest, let's just do a crypto update. I did one just now on all access, but let's do another one real fast. Yeah, let's, I heard that one didn't work. It didn't work because of a virtual green screen, and I forgot we had that up. So I apologize for the. Uh, actually, no, I don't apologize. I don't. I don't apologize. I'm not sorry. Yeah, it's 2020. We're not doing that anymore. It's 2020. 
I'm not doing apologizing. Let's do it. All right, heat map on the screen. Come on, heat map. Come on, heat map. What does the heat map say? Oh, yeah, you love to see that, don't you? Whoop, there it is. You love to see that. Bitcoin, ETH, everything, green, green, no change means we're all going skiing. Woo! Let's do it. We're going we skiing. Going? We're going skiing. I don't know. We're going to Vail. We're going to Vail. Everyone, road trip. Aaron Breeze driving. Let's go. The, the retirement is back on, everyone. Retirement was off for a few weeks there. We're back on. True. The fire. That's the fun of options trading. <laughs> you go from <laughs> hero to zero to uh, to hero to zero, all in all in the span of two weeks. Um, this is off topic. Does anyone have a, an opinion on, on on Clark Howard? Does anyone even know who that is? Um, he's a personal finance guy. My parents are like obsessed with Clark Howard. Clark Howard. Yeah, they send me like Clark Howard links like all the time. He's not one of those guys that's like. Who was it that said? It was that was Dave. You're thinking of Dave. Uh, you're thinking of Dave. Um, what's his name? The debt guy, right? I'm thinking of the guy that said like you should you should not go to you should not step foot in a restaurant. Dave Dave Ramsey. It sounds like a Dave Ramsey. Yeah, thing. I think it was Ramsey. He said yeah. like you're not you can't step foot in a restaurant until you're you have a you're 100 percent out of debt. It's like people with credit cards. <laughs> Dave Ramsey kind of is Clark Howard like that? No, no, no. He's not like that. Uh, Easy Mike says he's honest. My parents love Clark Howard. Um, uh, voodoo, voodoo. My my cost basis on the ATVI was seventy nine twenty three. Uh, okay, hey, crypto update. Here's the heat map. If you want some free Bitcoin, it's really not hard to get. All you have to do is go to the Voyager app. You download the Voyager app if you don't have it already. You open an account using the offer code Zing Z I N G. You fund your account with hundred bucks. You make a trade, and they'll send you fifty dollars in Bitcoin for free. And we all know free stuff is better than not free stuff. Check it out. Um, yeah, my, my mom just sent me a tip on how to travel for, for cheap. Clark Howard's number one free tip. Ooh, anyway. that, that actually sounds... Do you, do you want me to read it to you right now? Yeah, give me some... Give me all, some right, uh... all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, Easy Mike says Clark sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, he said he's honest, right? <laughs> my number one rule of travel is buy the deal first and figure out why you want to go there. What? Oh, get the deal and then figure out why you want to go. Don't figure out why you want to go. That's and then, a terrible idea. And then, then you're just taking the trips because of a deal that you weren't going to take in the first place. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst personal finance advice I've ever heard. Oh man, game. Get the deal, then justify it to yourself later on. <laughs> that's literally what it says. I'm reading it from the thing. All right. Anyway, enough of that. Let's um, let's go full screen here. We got our first guest here, Aaron. You want, you want to intro us? Yeah, so Brian Feraldo, you guys might know him on Twitter. He's got about 260,000 followers on Twitter. Well, that's only like 260,000 more than me. Well, is that you wanting to talk about your tweet? No, no, no. Keep going. Okay. No. Um, anyway, Brian's got a book coming. Uh, it's out now, or you can pre-order it now. Uh, why does the stock market go up? So we're excited to talk to Brian about his book, some other things going on in the markets right now. So... Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and give Brian the special intro and bring him on. Wow. Brian, how's it going? I love that graphic introduction. It was fantastic. Thank you. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to Benzinga Live. Happy Friday. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank you um, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. 
Yeah, how's it going? It is going uh, great, although uh, I woke up this morning to realize that my kids didn't have school because it's raining out. <laughs> That's a raining. first for me. <laughs> yeah. What? Where, it's going to turn to ice later. They didn't want to put the kids in school. So, yeah, just just uh, throwing that out there that I have some kids running around in the background. No problem. We're, a rain a, day? Kids these days. Don't, it's don't it's even new know. to me, too. This is new to me, too. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it PG. What part of the country are you in? Rhode, Rhode Island. Island, I should say. Rhode Island? Okay. Very yes. beautiful. Very beautiful state. Um, Brian, why does the stock market go up? Great question. That's Thanks. a question that uh, honestly perplexed me for many years. And this included after I was buying and selling uh, stocks. Uh, I've been personally been investing since 2004. And uh, back, in, back in those days, the only way that you could really get information about uh, investing or learn uh, was by in uh, reading books. So I read all the classic books, and they're awesome, right? Books by Peter Lynch, books about uh, Warren Buffett, books by uh, Jeremy Siegel, uh, Jack Bogle, etc. They're all awesome. And all of them largely say the same thing, right? Uh, buy the stock market. It's the greatest wealth creation machine of all time. Uh, hold for long periods of time. And the stock market uh, continually goes up. And the data clearly, uh, clearly shows that. If you buy and held the stock market over uh, long periods of time, you average about a 10% return. But the tricky thing is, I was like, that makes no sense. It makes no sense to me that there's this thing that defies gravity, right? I've always been taught... What goes up must come down, and that happens on occasion, right? We, I don't know about you guys. I've seen a whole bunch of stocks that I own come down pretty hard uh, over the last uh, uh, year. Nope, never but, had uh, that. Never had that experience? <laughs> never, never. Um, only pick winners. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, only own winners. It's, it, it's so easy. Investing is easy. It's so just, easy. Just, just buy yeah. the ones that go up. Yeah, only, only pick ones that go up and not the ones that go down. Uh, but um, but the, the market in general uh, continually goes up, continually makes new highs. And that was a question that just perplexed me. And the good news is it's, it's not hard to understand why this happens once you understand the kind of growth drivers in place. Uh, and then once you understand those growth drivers, uh, once I understood those growth drivers, I could invest with a heck of a lot more confidence and could invest during uh, inevitable downturns that uh, come your come your way. So I didn't write the book because I thought there was a need for another investing book. There's thousands of great books out there, uh, but I wrote it to essentially explain to my myself 15 years ago everything that I wanted to know about investing. That's awesome. I love books uh, like that where, where you had a question yourself and you went out and wanted to get the answer. So you write a book uh, while doing that, while searching for the answer. Uh, and, and I got to ask, so we had Amazon's earnings last night. How much of Amazon's revenue was from pre-orders of this book? Obviously, it was the lion's share of their growth. Uh, I think that that's fair, fair to say. Uh, Amazon uh, has been one of my favorite companies to buy and hold, and I've been a shareholder since 2010. And boy, have you, there are a lot of lessons to learn about investing by looking at what this company has done over long periods of time. And I, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm a bit surprised by the market's reaction uh, today. I looked through the earnings and it seemed like, I mean, there's positive and negatives, but given the market conditions we were in, I was pleasantly surprised to see shares going higher today. If you would have given me the report and said, predict what was going to happen, I would have said pain tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm with you because while the EPS and stuff was great, you take out the Rivian profits and it yeah. wasn't all that great. Um, 
Yeah, so, I, I was on a record as saying, I think I, my exact words were, there was nothing that Snapchat or Pinterest could say that would make the that would make the stock go up. And hey, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> earnings are tough. Earnings this, are tough. This is why I'm a firm believer you could give me the earnings reports ahead of time. Ahead yeah. of time and be like, predict what's gonna happen, and I would have a fifty-fifty accuracy rate. Oh my <laughs> we, we should we should do that. We should that's a good segment. Go back on old old reports. I'll tell you what the report was and you have to guess yeah. what the stock no, okay. did the next day. Okay, I'm writing this down because we're gonna do that. That's All a right. good segment idea. Um yeah. Okay, so so is Amazon the best place for people to go out and pre-order your book, or is there, are there other places, or primarily on Amazon? Yeah, it's available on all the major all the major channels. Amazon has a dominant market share, so that's the one that's the mm -hmm. easiest for most people, especially if they're uh, Prime members and already have their credit card there. Which, by the way, I think that's a reason why. I'm guessing that's a major reason why shares are popping today. If you read in the report, they're raising the price of Prime by uh, twenty dollars yeah. per year. Um, pricing power. Anyone? I don't know about you guys, but I'm certainly not going to be canceling Prime because the price is going up, uh, what, 15%-ish? Uh, so I'm guessing that's what investors are reacting to today. Yeah, I'm in the minority of people that, like, I actually do cancel my Prime account and utilize the free, whatever, free month you get. But I don't, most people don't, don't do that. Um, all right, Brian, I would love to get your – what is your personal, like, investing philosophy? Do you – like in in your own uh, portfolio, do you, are you like an index fund guy, or do you own like everything? Like, how do how do you approach it with your own money? Yeah, uh, I am. First off, I'm a huge believer uh, in index funds. I nice. think they are the right choice for I'm going to say 98 percent of the population. Right, the uh, the simple formula for getting wealthy in the stock market eventually is dollar cost averaging plus index funds, plus time, right? If you can, if you can do that over, over a period of decades or a period of your working career, uh, the odds of you having a really, really big smile on your face at the end are extraordinarily uh, high. But I also uh, believe if you're in that weird 1% to 2% of the population that actually enjoys finance, actually enjoys research, actually enjoys uh, learning about business and enjoys investing uh, in the stock market uh, that you that uh, you are a good candidate for picking individual stocks. So my personal strategy is I have uh, the vast all of my retirement funds, everything like that are just automated in index funds. Never have to think about them, just continually uh, go. And then any extra capital that I invest in top of that is all invested in individual uh, stocks. But uh, my, my broad strategy is I'm a, a bottoms up stock picker. So I love scouring the markets for business ideas that uh, that intrigue me. And my general style is to buy and hold a, a bunch of, of great businesses. And great business is uh, according to a uh, checklist that I created for myself. And the, the companies that best fulfill the needs of that checklist are, are ones that I uh, buy and I tend to buy and hold them uh, for as long as they remain uh, good companies. So it's long-term uh, buy and hold great businesses and with a dose of uh, extreme amounts of patience. What, uh, what are some of the things on that checklist? Yeah, so I, I recommend this exercise to to everybody that's invest that uh, is invested uh, in picking individual stocks. Uh, step one: uh, go th uh, write down on a on piece of paper uh, or, or an Excel spreadsheet uh, all of the business, all the attributes that you want to see 
in, a, in an investment, right? What are the, the attributes that you like to see? So on my checklist, it's things like, I want a great balance sheet. I want high revenue growth. I want strong margins. I want positive free cash flow. I want a wide moat. I want a founder-led management team. I want signs of optionality, signs of operating leverage. I want a stock that's beaten the market. I want a stock that regularly exceeds Wall Street's estimates. Uh, I want uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things, right? So I made a list of all the things that I'm looking for, and then simultaneously I made another list. What are the things I hate seeing uh, in in a business? I don't like customer concentration. I don't like geopolitical risk. I don't like high amounts of uh, stock-based compensation. I don't like it when a company is dependent on an outside market price for that business to do well. An example, if you're an energy company, if you're, if you're in the oil business, doesn't matter how good of a business you are, the price of oil determines how good your results are. If you're in the banking business, doesn't matter how good of a bank you are, the price of uh, what interest rates are uh, is going to determine how well you do over a period of time. Those are outside forces that the business itself has no control over. I don't like investing in uh, companies like that. So whenever I come across a company, I run it through this checklist and I say, all right, how many of the positive boxes does this check for me? How many of the negative boxes does it uh, check for me? And then I have a simple scoring system that uh, produces a, a number. And the, the, the final output is like, how aligned is this particular investment with my particular uh, style? And then I just buy the ones that score the best. When you say you're, you're, you're buying and hold, how long typically are we talking about? Uh, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the, uh, in the Buffett uh, forever quote, although that gets misquoted all, all the time. His quote is actually, when we own outstanding businesses with outstanding managements, our preferred holding period is forever. I, I feel the same way. I'm happy to uh, hold, hold a stock for, for many, many uh, years. And my top holdings today uh, aren't, be, uh, aren't stocks that I put the most capital into. They're just stocks that have gone up the most because they're outstanding uh, businesses. So my longest holding is Google, which I bought in 2009. So that's what 13, wow. 13 uh, years now. And I see no reasons to be uh, a seller of that stock uh, anytime uh, yeah. soon. Uh, conversely, I've bought companies and then have bailed on those companies in less than a year. If I was like, well, I'm wrong. <laughs> the business yeah. is is that clearly deteriorating. And uh, I, I my, my assessment of the business is wrong. That's a sign of a good investor, someone who knows when to cut their losses. So if you, you know, just found, say, $10,000 on the ground right now, would you add that to positions that you have existing or would you go out and look uh, for, some, for some new holdings uh, to potentially invest in? So whenever I'm investing capital, I look through my watch list and my portfolio and it tracks uh, a, few th a few key things. Uh, but essentially what I'm looking to buy at any given time is a combination of three things. One, a business quality. The, highest qual the higher the quality of the business, the better. And by high quality, I mean meets my checklist criteria. Uh, two, long-term potential. So I'm far more interested in buying a $3 billion business today that I think could become a $30 billion business than I would be investing in, say, Facebook uh, today, which is an $800 billion or whatever the market cap is, $800 uh, billion. By the way, I'm a shareholder of, of Facebook, but for Facebook to double, it's got to add on another 800 billion in market cap, right? The, 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 the mega cap multiplier obstacle. I have a bias towards adding to smaller companies that yep. I think can uh, uh, 10X. And then number three is, is valuation. So whatever stocks are trading at the most attractive valuation at any given time. So it's a combination of business quality, long-term potential and valuation.
We're going to talk psychology a, a little bit later on in the show, but I'd be curious to get your perspective, Brian. You know, having having been an owner of Google for you said thirteen years now, do you do you just not look at it? I mean, how do you? It, it is hard. buying and holding is doing nothing is is can be very difficult when you're sitting on massive profits. Isn't so that how funny? Do you doing doing yeah. nothing is hard. It is. It is. How do you, how do you, how do you do nothing on a huge window like Google? Uh, so my, this is a lesson that I've learned the hard way again and again and again, uh, broadly speaking, my investing strategy again is to buy great companies and then hold them as long as they remain great. And if you look at the earnings reports that have coming out of Google's over that entire 13 year time period, I don't know how you don't come away and saying, this is a great company. This is a great company. This is a, this is a great company. I mean, like every single quarter, uh, revenue, up. They have new products that are out there. And despite the fact that they are spending gargantuan figures onto their other bets category, which, by yeah, the way, have yet to pay off. We, we, have, we haven't seen what, what is an example of an other bet, by the way. I know they do some crazy shit, but we haven't seen anything, have we? No, we, we haven't seen anything result in actual financial gains for the for the company. But yeah. uh, Waymo uh, is is is, right. is one and most likely to to be. But if you go, dig through their their Google Ventures uh, list, there's tons of projects going on there. Remember Project Loon, which is like the the balloons that would deliver internet uh, internet to people oh, in like remote off. places. A whole bunch of them have uh, have flamed out. But the thought yeah. is, one of them will eventually one of them will eventually work. But even even regards, even if you consider that to be just a a dumpster fire of of burning uh, capital. The core business is so amazing and so strong that it hasn't uh, mattered. But for anything else, just YouTube, YouTube alone is such an amazing uh, side project for the company. It's like I don't know, ten percent of revenue or Google Cloud also growing rapidly. But but again, to, to answer your question, how do I continue holding even though I have these massive gains? The business continues to perform. How long, like, let's just say Google has like a terrible quarter. Like, how long would it have to, how many qu bad quarters would it have to have you to change your mind? So that would be, depend on how bad the quarter was. And yeah. uh, when I'm reviewing quarterly results, the, the, the number one question I have in my mind is, is the thesis busted or is the thesis on track? And if they're going through a rough patch, do I think that rough patch is temporary or do I think that rough patch is permanent? So for me to fully abandon Google as an investment, I would have to believe that the core business was permanently under attack and permanently in a state of decline, in which case, and, and I saw no compelling second act that would kind of carry the torch forward for, for the company. And as amazing as YouTube is, if their core search business declined, it doesn't matter how much YouTube grows, like the core search business would just overwhelm uh, the, the the Google uh, profits. So if I saw if I saw clear signs that their moat was weakening, that their financials were in a perpetual state of decline, I would say I'm out. So so Brian, do you have any names right now that you're looking at or recently added that uh, are in that category of kind of lo a lower market cap that you think has the potential to grow? Um, like we've seen, you, you know, some of those names that you've been holding for 10 plus years. Uh, yeah, there, there are, uh, several, I'm always on the search for, for businesses, uh, that are in that, uh, category. One company that's taken my, that's caught my eye, uh, recently is called, uh, SEMrush. Uh, have you guys ever heard of SEMrush? Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, SEO, uh, yeah. SEO website. I, I don't know yep. this one. 
SEM stands for Search Engine Marketing, but it's a essentially all-encompassing uh, website that marketers can use to help broadcast uh, their message, and they can help you do uh, paid advertising. They can help you make uh, content that gets your, your message out there, and their uh, long-term hope is that you help you use their tools to kind of dominate in the uh, search engine marketing, so SEO. And uh, if you look at their numbers, uh, it's a it's a fabulous uh, business, growing very quickly. It's uh, it's profitable. It's free cash flow positive. It's founder led. The thing that blew me away was the dilution rate on the business. The dilution rate is essentially zero. Um, they, they are very very stingy with stock based uh, compensation. But uh, that's a company that. Um, uh, came public with very little fanfare, like everything growth did very well for a couple of months and has not done well recently. But uh, when I took that company through my checklist, I was very impressed with what I saw. You, you know what I would say about this one? Unlike a lot of those growth names, it's not making a 52 week low. <laughs> so that's something. There you go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> But th th um, this is like in my sweet spot. This is a, a market cap that's $2.3 billion. And it's like, it, if this thesis works out, if I'm right about it, could I see this being a $20 billion company one day? Yes. Yes, I could. I I if the thesis plays out. And the wonderful thing about investing is if I'm wrong about this, it becomes an irrelevant tax, tax write-off. But if I'm right, you can multiply your money many, many times over. Wow. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. Um, this is this is a fantastic conversation, Brian. Can you give us one one stock name that was a massive bust? You just screwed the pooch on it. For me, my yeah. biggest dollar loss of all time uh, came on Kinder Morgan. Uh, the ticker symbol there is KM KMI. Uh, on paper, that's a company that fit checked so many boxes for me. Right, founder led, huge inside ownership. Uh, guaranteed uh, take or pay contracts, good margins, good growth prospects, high dividend yields. Pick, uh, pick, pick a metric. It looks good. So as you have in your on your chart there, uh, I made this my number one holding, my number one position in 2014. So about August, roughly uh, February to September of 2014, I made it my number one position by pure capital. And I also added in an options, a bullish options position on top of that. So I used uh, leverage right before that red line that you see uh, right there. So I, I, I said, what I essentially got wrong about this business is I thought the company's revenue was protected by those take or pay uh, contracts. What I missed was that take or pay contracts only matter if the people on the other side of the contract can fulfill their obligation. And when energy prices were crashing, as they were in uh, 2015 area, when you see that huge decline, their customers were hurting so badly that they couldn't make their, they couldn't fulfill that, their end of the bargain. And as you see, the stock has been a huge loser over the last uh, uh, couple of years. So that is one stock that taught me a lot of lessons. And man, did I get that one wrong. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a rough ride down right there. Yeah. I joined Benzinga right about halfway through that free fall. And, uh, and I remember, uh, thinking uh people were talking at the time like oh like is this the bottom is this the bottom and it kept on going and it kept on going and um yeah that brings me back awesome this was a fantastic conversation uh and again can we put the link up in the chat and on this and on the screen uh for brian's book yep um amazon barnes and noble every major bookseller right wherever you buy wherever you buy wherever books you buy it should be available there yes awesome brian for all the it's been a pleasure chat with you today.
Pleasure to speak with you. Have have a wonderful Friday, Spencer and Aaron. Stay dry out there. Apparently, the rain's really coming down. So I'm so (laughs) I so I hear. Apparently, it's gonna become apparently it's gonna become uh, ice a little later today. So I guess I'm gonna go ice skating in my front yard. (laughs) Have fun with that. Have fun with that. Yeah, this was fun, Brian. We got to do it again. Uh, Again, books coming out April 5th. You can pre-order at this link up on the screen uh, in the chat. Brian, uh, have a great weekend. Thanks so much, guys. Alrighty. Uh, Hey. I just saw a comment in the chat. I'm going to have to go look into it on the news feed right now. But uh, did the FBI really raid Andrew Left's house? Uh, and I don't t- know. And take his computers? For insider trading? For what? No. So recall that, like, is it the FBI or the DOJ? Somebody is cracking down on short sellers, uh, specifically manipulative short sellers that um, – Manipulate stocks. We talked about this yesterday. Wait, the FBI is investigating short sellers for what? For for ma- for, for manipulate for manipulation, right? We talked about this yesterday. Like th- that's not a, that's not a new headline that the FBI is. What's new is that they actually raided Andrew Left's house apparently. But is it is it what we were talking about yesterday in the sense that just putting out a short report is considered? Well, like tam- that's what's not clear. To that's what's not clear to me because like I I'll say what I said yesterday. I really don't think in the grand scheme of things like. No, you, it's a free. You have freedom of speech. You should be able to like do your own investigation, research, put out a report. Right. If if you're gonna put out a report that has the quality enough to move a stock, and like I think you should be able to profit off that. I, I don't know if that makes just, just like if I made a, if I made a tweet thread that was just so compelling about a certain stock that it went completely viral and had a million likes and everyone saw it and said, oh my God, yeah, Aaron, this guy is right about this stock and went out and buy it. Yeah. And the stock went up. It's the same thing. So it's unclear exactly what the scope of this investigation is besides the fact that they are investigating. Yes, some short sellers are manipulative assholes uh, who will just throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. but some of them ex- expose like legitimate fraud, like like the, the Nikola report from Hindenburg was legitimate fraud, legitimate fraud that got exposed, right? Wendy Tilson was a famous short teller. Uh, he exposed uh, like crazy shit at Lumber Liquidators. They were like it was like poisonous ingredients or whatever, right? You guys remember that? That was from like eight years ago. Short sellers do good work. They expose they expose fraud, and yeah, they profit off that. I think that's okay in the grand scheme of things. I think it's better than members of Congress trading stocks, members of the Fed. Members of the Fed? Are you kidding me? Well, Proton's asking the million-dollar question, right, is is where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line between, like, legitimate short report and just, like, pump and dump? It's a great – yeah, it's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. How do you draw a line between the the good faith actors and the bad faith actors? Don't know. Oh shoot! Um, just realized. Did I ever send Jesse the link for today? I'm doing it right. Now. Yeah, I did. I emailed him last night. Okay, Jesse Kaler will be on with us in um, eight or so minutes. He'll be. I can't wait to ask Jesse how 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 much he cried over the weekend. I'm sure he cried as a Bengals fan. Happy tears. Happy tears. Um, so we're gonna ha- we're gonna do that at twelve thirty. Before we do that, though, should we do a name that chart segment? Ooh, let's do it. I don't want to see it because I want to guess. Well, I, I everyone. Full disclosure, 
have not found a chart yet. So, um, oh wait, Aaron, guess who just emailed me? Who? Tim. Oh, what he say? I his <laughs> wrong number. Oh man, wait. I got it. I emailed Tim Quas yesterday. I was like, Tim, you want to come on the show you have today? A, his wrong number? I have his wrong number apparently because I, yeah. What happened? I've been texting Tim Quas for weeks and he never responds to my texts. And I didn't, think, I didn't think anything of it until like yesterday when I thought, oh, maybe I like don't have his number correct. Yeah. I've texted him uh, five times over the, over the last month. And he's never responded to me. <laughs> and I never took the hint that maybe I had the wrong number. You just thought he was ghosting. I just right? thought he was not responding to me. All right. Uh, I got to tell Tim. We'll take a rain check. We'll, we'll catch Tim on Monday on pre-market prep. Uh, all right. So let, let's do a guest tech chart right now. But I got to find the chart first. So while I find a chart, I don't know. Y'all can do something. Figure it out. What should we do? Um, I don't know. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take. All right, I'll, we'll take some tickers from the chat. I'll pull them off my Benzinga Pro. We'll take a look at some tickers from the chat. I have to. I, I'm going to find the chart that had, the clue is. There's going to be earnings next week. That's the clue. That's Ooh. my. Own, that's my only clue. That's more than we usually get. That's more than you usually get. We're going to do stock that reports next week. Speaking speaking of reporting, if you guys have not been watching the uh, the earnings streams that we're doing after hours, we stream a couple conference calls every day. Um, check it out. Uh, there won't there won't be any today, obviously, because it's it's a Friday. But we're gonna be doing uh, Peloton next week. Peloton's on Tuesday. We've got Disney on Wednesday. Um, who else do we have next week? Twitter, I think, is next week as well. We're gonna do that one. Um, maybe we'll do like Rocket Mortgage. Aaron, maybe. Sure. I don't know. All right, this is not. not working for me there we go all right Ooh. Uh, wait baba files for a billion additional what is what uh probably in, in in hong kong they they probably filed uh for for an offering in hong kong i'm imagining that's what that says yeah maybe um yeah. someone just asked my favorite question ever is nvidia a buy i'm glad you asked <laughs> The real answer of this question depends on what's your time frame, right? Because if you're asking for like long term, like Brian Feraldi was just talking about buying stocks and holding them forever. Forever. Uh, then yes, I'd say NVIDIA is an easy buy. But if you're talking about just a, like a swing trade, um, I don't know. I honestly like, who's to say what tech is going to do next week? If it's going to be, it's going to be, I, I think we're going to see some more chop for the next like month. I think it's just going to be chop, chop, chop up and down. Um, so we're looking at a daily chart right here. If, if, if we start seeing Nvidia have more strength and start coming back toward those all time highs, like if we clear this level right here, like a 280 level, um, then I think it's a safe play up to at least 310, 315 before it would maybe hit some resistance before it gets, gets back to all time highs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think eventually we will see the stock back in the 350 range. So. If you're looking long term, I'd say yes. If you're looking short term, I'd say wait and see. All right. I've got our chart for our name that chart segment. So I'm going to pull it up on the screen. I there is going to be a what takes going to be an easier one. There's going to there's going to be a y axis. 
And an X-axis. Um, X-axis. Wait, what's Rover doing? Rover wait. Group. Yeah, Rover Group was one of those SPACs. All SPACs are down. Um, I, I actually, I do remember that interview. That was a good interview with the with the Rover guy. Interesting, interesting idea for a company, but a lot of these SPACs have just gotten beaten up. All right, I'm going to throw a chart up on the screen. I've got an X-axis and a Y-axis, and uh, we're going back. This is a daily chart. We're going back to the start of the pandemic with this one. Uh, that's how far back this chart goes. This goes back to March or technically February of 2020. Drop your guesses in the chat. First, Am I allowed to guess? First correct guess I see will win some Benzinga swag. Yeah, you're allowed to guess if you want. Thirty-six. It is not Coinbase, Sal T. I don't even know what CC. Oh, that no, that's probably the SPAC. CC. Um, can we get some tunage up in here? Let's get. Let's throw some background music. I'm up. going full screen on the chart. Let's go some back. Let's throw some background music up. Let's do some. Um, oh, for crying out loud! Did Shelly get it already? For crying out loud! Yes. Not getting more swag. Shelly, you can't get more swag. How much shit have we sent to you? Oh my gosh. She doesn't have it yet? Oh, that's not good. Well, yeah. We're not. It's it's a complicated situation. You can't enlighten us? I don't know if she would want me to. She's got like a warehouse and then a different where and then the where you gotta ship it to a warehouse and the warehouse gonna ship it to All right. All so right. it's a whole thing. Alright. Um well, let's bring on our, our next guest here, Jesse Kaler from uh, Elite Trading and uh we're gonna keep the tunes going, I think, because Yeah, it's Friday. Why not? Let's turn it down a little bit. Jesse, what's up, man? Oh, you know, just got this nice attire on for my friend Aaron Bry. Uh, just wanted to make yeah. sure that Mr. Bree uh, <laughs> saw that I uh, remembered our $10 bet. Didn't even have to cover the points because we won the game and we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's yeah. go Bengals. Who day? Give me your, give me your Venmo and I'll, I'll do it live right now. Yo, yo, Jesse, how much did you cry? Um, I, I didn't cry, but I screamed a lot. Okay. I was, and by the way, I, I was helping. I was trying to reverse jinx, yeah. which worked, saying the Bengals didn't have a chance. Cause I wanted to see them win. I'm excited, and I'm rooting for them in the Super Bowl, Jesse. Because screw the Rams, they took the Rams from from us in St. Louis. Screw Stan, screw Stan Kroenke. Uh, I'm go, I'm going all Bengals for the Super Bowl. So if you'll allow me on the bandwagon, <laughs> I'll send you my uh, Venmo in the um, private private chat. chat. Perfect. Um, and also, something's wrong with that. It won't let me um, turn it over to the YouTube chat to see the chat like it normally does. So that was weird. Oh, that's weird. Huh. Um, yeah. Here, let's, uh, let, me, let me try to fix last that. Last thing before we bring up the charts, Jesse, is um, did you see that video yesterday from the Inquirer of, of all the all those reactions? I um, had not the, seen it. Check it out. All those I fan reactions to Sunday. Maybe you're Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be great to watch. I didn't think about that. I watched um, a lot of the ESPN reactions and the haters from yeah. the beginning of the season saying we were going like two and... You know, we're going to win yeah. two games, be last in the division. That was kind of great. And yeah. they show burial yeah. highlights after that. But, um, yeah, it was great. It was a fun fun game to watch. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Did you see the odds? If you would have put $100 on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, it would be worth 1000 if they win. 
at the beginning of the season or ten dollars ten dollars sorry it would be worth a thousand why would anybody have done that but, <laughs> but were, what, what, there are some diehard fans that you know are going to come out after if the Bengals do win they're going to be showing some of those tickets out there <laughs> yeah what were the true. Bengals? uh they, they were two and 14 last year right four i think we had oh, four, four and 12 four, four, yeah. two and 14 two years ago okay yeah anyway congratulations man you deserve it yeah you see the since, little shrine since, since behind I think I Venmoed you. I Venmoed a, a Jesse Kaler on Venmo. Since so. sports is rough, congrats, man. Um, and, and we're rooting for you. I now, got the money, $10, Aaron Bryant. Let's go. Yeah, All right. All right. He got winner, it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Gentleman always pays his debts. Jesse, as far as the market goes, uh, walk us through uh, any trades you had this week? Um, well, I lost a little bit of money this week um, trying to – go against my rules and play uh the facebook and uh earnings and didn't didn't call that the right direction and then tried to play it yesterday and it didn't move enough for my contracts to move and i wasn't close enough to the end of money contracts i was doing exactly what i tell people not to do and lost a couple hundred bucks on some facebook options but um took a little stab at twilio uh twlo i like this one they got the earnings coming up um and it's a trade that's going to be a high risk trade for me, but it's going to be one that either, you know, you go bang, you know, bust or, or make a, make some big money. Cause if you've looked at this stock before, um, the earnings here, if you see the earnings count, every time it's had earnings in the last, what, six earnings, there's been like a 50 to 75 point move in the upcoming five days, whether it's up or down. So this is kind of one of those plays where, I know some people trade this way where they'll buy, you know, both directions and looking for a, a large move either way up or down to counteract the loss from the, the wrong position. And this will be one that I'm going to try to do that on. I'm going to wait till the end of the day today, see how it, it trades. I'm my normal rule would be don't hold it over the weekend. But if the theta on the contracts that I want to choose aren't if it's not too high, then I might go ahead and take a stab. But I, I may wait till Monday morning and see how how it's doing then and see how the market's doing, because I'd rather see it flush down uh, leading into the earnings here. Today, it's kind of, you know, I think it's up 7%, 6%. So I'm, I'm not going to, I probably won't mess with it today unless it flushes with, if the market kind of flushes down at the end of the day. But that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, for moments like this, where you see it flush down, flush down, flush down, and it's immediately bought back up. Well, this last time it broke that big, that big support that's right here around 280 and it's done nothing but go down now to 187. So you've lost a hundred dollars a share on this bad boy since it broke support. Um, your next area of support would be 129. So I was looking at maybe the 150 puts and uh, the 220, 215-ish on the calls and putting them out for a week after earnings. Would you go like more on more equity on one side than the other? I do equal, equal both sides. It, if I'm more biased to the upside or the downside, then yeah, typically I'll buy like four contracts to the upside, two to the downside and give myself a cushion. And I'm basically saying, okay, if I'm wrong, I've got two contracts to try to make some money back up out of that loss I had on the calls. Um, and, it, and sometimes it depends on on um, what the where the open interest is. So there's a time where I'll buy two levels. Let's say there's a lot of open interest at 205 and then 225. Well, I'll buy both of them and then possibly sell that out of the, the, the way out of the money contract if I'm right sooner 
and then hold on to the one that's closer to the money and let that one ride and then get get out of those those puts and i'll have a stop loss on both directions at 50 percent. so if if i if i'm right on the calls and they shoot up 15 20 points 25 points the next morning then i'll have a 50 percent stop loss on my put contracts to try to um, minimize the loss on the on the opposite direction as well yeah i mean honestly i don't know i, I think if i had to pick one way i'd, I'd lean more bullish on this into earnings because i think so too Twilio's in the same space as uh it, on the google computing and amazon web services like when we, we were looking at the chart the other day um i don't know if you were in the chat when we were doing this but we were we were looking at the chart of the different you had to take aws out of the cloud providers and twilio was the second largest behind uh amazon the only thing that was problematic with it was the fact that google's was growing at a faster pace than twilio's or sorry microsoft was second twilio was third then google was below twilio but catching up to it yeah and i i mean this is um this is a company where i think that they're going to continue to grow over the long term i think right now they got smacked because of the uh, whole sector being hit but with the earnings reports coming out um do you think that it's going to affect how do you think it'll affect them um if they're just right in line you know if there's no if there's no beat or, or you know if they're right in line with their expectation of a loss but they're i think they're they're quoted like a night like a 90 cent per share loss is their estimate if you want to look that up Spencer, i don't know exactly what they, I, uh, I just know that the yeah. the other reports all especially on the uh, on the cloud computing part for for google and for amazon were really strong so i'd be surprised if twilio's weren't but yeah i mean that that's it's probably priced in at this point wait what what day are we talking about here let's see it's the uh the earnings ninth. are february 9th it, we're looking at the 9th yeah they're i mean they're let's go let's go further back though so yeah the project the estimate is for them to lose 21 cents per share 21 cents. Good. let's just go back and look and just see what is how does that compare to to you know historical stuff so twilio um, if the estimates are correct, big if on that, but if they are, it would mean, um, okay, so nothing really alarming here. It's following the growth story where their revenue is increasing, but their losses are widening. That's what growth stocks do, generally, right. generally speaking. So nothing really alarming about that. That's where the estimates have been pegged right now. Basically, pretty big year-over-year -year growth on the revenue front, pretty big year-over-year -year, um, uh, increase in in, in net loss so so the the big story about this why i wanted to bring it up too is because i did hear aaron talking about it so that's what made me come back and look at it because it was one of those ones that i'd won so i i won this was a lottery i i put the i put the roulette wheel on and won an earnings call on this one where i did the same thing on it and i was told by a gentleman that when this is back when i was actually in the car business and he was he i sold him a vehicle and he said hey Twilio's earnings are tomorrow and he just saw me sitting on my phone looking at stocks and happened to mention it I said okay well I'll buy a flyer on it and I bought the um, 120 calls and woke up and they were at 180 well and it was like a 800 percent gain in second you know when you know in the morning when the when the uh when the bell rang I was like okay let me just see how this works and I just held it for like four days. And if you see here, it just kept going and going and going. And then it ended up being like a 1500% gain. I just, I got out wow. of it and made. Shout out to that guy money. at the car dealership. Yeah, I know. Oh, I, I have him in my phone as Mr. Twilio. 
Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I brought this stock up a couple of weeks ago because this is one of those ones that's just gotten so beaten up, but it's still a good company and it actually looks good. I, I like this one on the long term, but um, I mean, I, I, I'm with you, Jesse. I've gotten burned playing the options. I've hit, I hit them. I hit one today with Clorox. I got burned the day before with Facebook. So I don't know. It's tough. I, for Twilio, I'm, I'm going to wait till after the report to, to get into it probably. But I think I might, I might get in on one call flyer with you because it does and you almost see that little double bottom right there yeah that's where you see my profit and loss i would have a stop loss right here if you're buying shares and just say you know what give yourself like 10 points to the downside you have a lot of upside here just in this small little range i like it i think it's a good trade idea i got the girls home it, it snowed at like some weird like ice pebble rain hail for like 12 inches of just ice. <laughs> How did we not get this weather? Everyone seems to have gotten this weather but us. I don't know. Yeah, there's zero. Nobody's nobody's went through the roads at all around here. The whole place. Damn, the just, calls are expensive on Twilio. I'm they are. That's why I wanted to maybe wait till Monday. Do you guys hear the children in the background screaming? Oh, heck, yeah. heck yeah, oh, we yeah. do. Hold on. Sound like they're having oh, man. We got some major. The dogs are barking right there. He, he's going to go take care of his kids one second. Although honestly, I kind of I kind of like it. It's, it, it you know yeah. this is this is this is real life, man. This is this is oh, what happens. Oh man, <laughs> that's okay. That's right. That's okay. The kids can come on the stream. Kids can come on the stream, Jesse, if they want. Oh, he's all right. He's on mute. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Tell them to come on the stream. Yeah. Come on. Say happy snow day. Happy Snow Year. All right. Happy New Year. Snow Hello. Year? Yeah, Happy Snow Hello. Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> do you have any stock picks for us? Hey, do you, what, is, what does green do. mean, Arden, on the stocks? Up. Nice. What does red mean? Down. Yeah, high five. Let's go. Nice. She's All learning. Right. She's learning. All right. get, get, get them early, man. Get them early. Who's your favorite show? What's your favorite toy? Ponies. All right, My Little Pony. We're long My Little Pony, everyone. All right. And okay. My <laughs> Who makes them? Probably Hasbro or it, something. It, it, or Mattel. It, 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 it. Abby and My Little Pony. So we're long YouTube. Name, yep. They only watch YouTube. They do not I like regular do. TV. They like yeah. Disney+. Right. Plus. Okay. So Google. Okay. Disney so Plus so, the, so the, the goal is, I'm, I'm not sure how old they are, but by, by the time they're like 12, we, we want them trading options, right? Yeah. Yes. No well, at least yeah. buying leaps with their birthday money. Nice. Or se nice. And selling selling some some calls every week to make um, some lunch money, right? Can you can talk to him. He can hear you. No, I'm gonna talk to them. They, he's there's those two guys are listening. That's Spencer you. and she, that's Aaron. She can't. She can't hear us. Hello. Hey, how's it Hello. going? Um, What's up? What's your name? Say winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Why are you in here? Why are you she, she, she watches the show with me and listens in, so she hears the, the Mitch uh, intro. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner. She says it all the time. Oh, nice. Oh, well, this all is right. the best interview ever, guys. This is, shows you as real as it gets that stock traders have real lives. Uh, we're not sitting here with buying Lamborghinis and... Uh, doing things like that. You know what I have is my Toyota and Acura and our uh, F-150 that I cleaned off all and grandpa's car cleaned off all of them today. 
And uh, neither one had a cover or sit in a garage like uh, some of these guys that we see out there. So if you're looking for a real trading show that just has real people, here you go. Here's one. You know, this would never happen. Real trade that I'm this would never do. happen on CMEC. This only happens here. Jesse, it's been a pleasure to chat, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Um, I, I, good luck to you. Uh, I shorted I hope- Snap, by the way. And the last one is I shorted Snap for uh, a month out. I gave it a. Um, oh wait a minute. The, the $30 uh, puts for a month out. I'm, I'm an idiot. This, the, the game is not this weekend. No, no it's I'm next idiot. weekend. It's, next all right, weekend. I'm dumb. I don't know why I thought it was... Yeah, okay, this weekend so, is Poker Friday. I got to go play poker at a friend's house. All right, all right. Oh, good luck with that. All right. Yeah, Texas so, Hold'em. Okay, so next time we speak to you, nothing nothing will have changed, but the week after, maybe your life will have changed. We'll find out. All right, well... Um, Jesse, um, Jesse Kaler, Elite Training. Uh, link is, should be in the description. Uh, if it's not, we should put it stay there. Stay in the green, my friends. All right. Have a good one, Jesse. All right, guys. Have a good weekend, Jesse. All right. Let that was fun. I enjoyed that. Also, yeah. I'm in case that wasn't exposed just there. I'm really bad at talking to kids. Like I do not know how to talk to children. I don't have kids. Maybe that's why. And I'm not a kid. So, um, I have another stock that I'm ready to. It, it's officially being added to the to my time. unofficial watch list. Okay. Is it? Is it uh, Leslie's pool? No, it's Warby Parker. It makes they make glasses. Ooh, I don't know about that. I I honestly, general rule of thumb, I I have them too. I have them too. If this is a broad based rule, if you've IPO'd in the last two years, hands off. I, the only thing I like hands about off. it is I uh, insider buys multiple insider buys. CEO add in more shares. They've only reported earnings once as a public company and crushed it and are set to again. And he's adding before um, the mm. next earnings report. So mm. I think they're going to be strong again. Mm. I think once you get two strong reports out there as a public company, then you start to get the interest of of, of some more investors. I don't know. I, don't, I can't. I, I'm saying I'm adding it to my watch All list. Right. And we'll see after this next report. It's coming out in March. Um, but... They seem to have a good All right. recurring. I, I I can't get behind right now. These companies that IPO'd in the last, especially in the last year and a half, but not every single one is going to be. Is going to be what? They're all down. Literally, like ninety percent of them are down. It is ridiculous. Yeah, Bros is the exception. Congrats if you picked the one out of the fifty or a hundred, whatever. I I. No, it's not for me. I, I, it's on the watch list. So when do they report? Did you say March? Oh, we got time. Um, let's see. Go to my calendar. Benzinga Pro. Oh no, February eighteenth. We still got time. We got two weeks. Unconfirmed. All right. Uh, hey, do we have trivia set up, producer Rohan? Is he even is, set up? Is he even here? Oh, he, oh, you're here. I can, I couldn't see you behind the TV. Trivia is set up. It's set up. All right. Should we roll? Should, should we try to recruit some people from the office to play some trivia with us? Michael Murray, you want to play some trivia? Michael Murray wants to play trivia. How, how, how do we how do we do that right Let now? Let Michael come up uh, here. Michael is eating. You want to just come on and eat lunch on the show and, and do this? All right. All right. DraftKings Draft is, Draft is down to like $20 a share. We're, we're going to talk about that with, with our next guest. You want to see where? Yeah, okay. go take Aaron's seat. Is that the pot pie from the cafe, cafeteria? Is it good? All right, Michael Murray, everyone. Uh, by the way, the most valuable zinger. MVZ. He's, he's the MVZ. He's got oh, the gosh. deepest voice and the deepest V-neck. Mm. Ooh. 
What, what's deeper, your V or your voice? Good question. Up right now. <laughs> I don't want to be inconsiderate of Spencer's stream is very legitimate and real. Thank you. I want to be respectful of that. I appreciate that. All right, we got Rohan here. We got Michael. We got. Do we got Aaron? Uh, I mean, it's just the three of us. The other Aaron? No, we don't. Okay, that's fine. What's up, Michael? How's, well, how's, how's your day going? It's pretty good. I got this pot pie. Is that good? It's not bad. All right. It's a little bit trash, but I kind of expected that. I can always rely on Michael for honest reviews of the cafeteria food here. It's not awesome. Okay. It's okay. All right. Feedback for, yeah. the, for the calf. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are we looking at for stocks today? What's well, exciting? Uh, well, let's see. We looked at Amazon. Aaron was trying to talk me into Warby Parker just now, but uh, <laughs> I'm not about that life. Um, <laughs> what the hell? What are you doing, Rohan? What, what is that? That's, that's producer Aaron. What's up, producer Aaron? AT. Yeah, AT's on camera. Yeah, AT's on camera. Anyway, uh, there's the Benzinga office. You can see some of it right there. <laughs> uh, random ghost. If you're done with the market, come hang for trivia. It's Friday. We do this every Thursday usually, but it's Friday this week. And uh, we're just hanging out, and we're going to give away some free swag. Here's how it works. Rohan, you want to explain it? Sure. All right, folks. If you haven't played trivia before, basically... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing on the chat. <laughs> Basically, it's a game where we have questions. Uh, I Oh, geography again today? Oh, did we do geography? No, again? no, no. I thought the, the, the theme was um, TV. Enver? I guess we got geography. Wait, I mean, yeah, it's geography. That was the theme last week. Hey, I mean. Wait, are these, the same, are these the same questions as last week? Uh, yet, to, yet to be discovered. Enver? Wait, uh, wait. Rohan, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, all right. No, the theme, is, we, we did geography already. It was hard. Uh, yeah, wait, Enver, explain more. What's happening? Right, fix this. He somebody, just said no. somebody fix this. All right. In the meantime, um, Michael. Hey, did you know I would actually be good at geography? You know why? I was homeschooled my whole life. What was that like, being homeschooled? It was kind of hard. I also had eight brothers and sisters. We were all homeschooled at the same time. Whoa! So it wasn't it wasn't easy. I'm not gonna lie. It was pretty crazy. So you were you you basically had your own school between the eight of you. Mm -hmm. It felt like growing up in an orphanage, except for my <laughs> parents, obviously. You know. <laughs> but there were just so many kids. You know, it felt like I felt like Oliver Twist. Oh man! But I was the oldest, so I had eight little brothers and sisters. I have a little sister now. She's three. Whoa! Yeah. So she was not in school. She when, was not when, when you were in school. No, she's in preschool now. So like, how did it work when when you got like held back? Was that did that create like awkward tension? When whenever someone will get like held, but they don't get get held back. Very no. I had one little brother that got held back three times. Whoa! Yeah. He caught on a little. He, he caught on a little slow. Did did that create for some awkward dinner discussions uh, about you know why? Oh yeah, my dad's like, look, Michael never did this, and I was like. Well, don't put me in the spotlight. Wait, move the mic closer. They're saying, sorry, they're saying the mic is too far away. Everybody always complains that I'm too close to the mic and breaking everyone's eardrums. And the second I move away, it's too hard to hear my voice. Yeah, I don't, well, it's while you're at it, can you scooch a little bit to your right? Yeah, just scooch. There you go. There's always so many requirements to be on the show. So difficult. I know, I know. Are we doing trivia? I don't yeah, know. Okay, so I was going to say, uh, no, Enver just had the title wrong. We're good. Okay, we're good. So what's the category today? TV trivia. TV trivia. Hmm. All right. I'm ready for it. Ooh, ooh. Okay. So, yeah. For, for TV trivia, 
I don't really know how many questions we have. I always forget this. Um, my bad. But um, basically, it's four options for each question, a number corresponding with that option. You type it in the chat as fast as you can and get it right. As many as the person who wins gets the most right and does so the fastest. And what do you win, Spencer? Some free swag, free swag from the swag. swag store. By the way, you should check that out, swag.benzinga.com. We got all the swag up there. There's some cool stuff in there. I'm not there's, gonna lie. There's Christmas sweaters, if that's your thing. Mm -hmm. It's not mine, but to each their own. Mm -hmm. All um, right. Well, I mean, if everyone's ready, all warmed up. Yeah, let's stretch go. Stretch out those fingers. Uh, I got to pull up the stream so I can answer, but we can get this right, started. Those are the answers right there on the screen, and now they're gone. So if you didn't write them down, it sucks. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get this started. Pull it up on the screen. Have I ever told oh. you, by the way, I think it's so weird when you say warm up your fingers. Well, I just think that's a really... Don't would you, you want to cool them down before playing trivia? Well, no, I just... So, so wait, wait did, did, did Rohan explain the rules? You have to put the, the number of the answer in yeah. the chat. You, did, you said that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was not listening. It's like, just like, you know, the warming up your fingers part. Whenever Rohan says that, I'm always like... It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> Oh, Christian says he got he actually got a delivery from us. Sweet. And it says formal wear. That's good. All right. Whoa. Question number one. Numero uno. What year did the television company, the BBC, officially launch the channel BBC One? We're going across the pond for this one. What age bracket did you make these questions for, Enver? This is difficult. I'm going to I'm going to go with I've actually been to the BBC headquarters before. It was kind of cool, but I forgot this. Wow. Rohan and I were born in 1998. This isn't even in our <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this isn't even uh, in our generation. I'm going I'm going with I'm going with number 1. I'm answering number 1 here. 1955. I went number 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dude, you, you guys need to stop with 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 that. Come on. This this is an adult show. Hey, that's pretty. That was good, clean humor. That oh my funny. goodness! Listen, that was pretty. Interesting. <laughs> All right, the, this one, the answers are pretty diverse. I'm seeing ones, I'm seeing twos, I'm seeing threes. Not seeing any fours. That would be weird. If I'll it was... a four. I'll, I'll say 1921. It, that's wrong. That's got. That... Why do you think so? Because the TV was like barely invented then. Oh. 1936. All right. Congrats to everyone who got that one. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just have no frame of reference here. I, I, very few of us, I think, have any. I don't even know if that was all right, answer. All right. Which of these television shows makes everyone look under their chair? Saturday Night Live, Oprah, Larry Rubert. I, mean, I don't even know what that is. Or Jimmy Fallon. Didn't you just give the question? Didn't he give the question when he paused right after he said? No, no. He doesn't know the answer. I, wait, is this referring to, like, the studio audience? Yeah. Like, look, oh. It's probably Oprah, right? This is the one where uh, you get a laptop and you get a laptop. Right, right, you get a laptop. right. Exactly. That's yeah. what, that's what I was thinking. We all get a cars. Oprah, yeah. Everybody gets a car. Everybody gets a Prius. Right. We're all winners. <laughs> Sammy is asking the right question. Sammy, I don't know why any of us are here. Quite frankly, that's just negative energy. But hey, while you're here, you can win why, some free why, win some free stuff. Look, why not be here? Sammy? That's what I'm. That's the real. A question. question like that is not pushing P. Okay, we're here to push P. We are here to push only P. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, no, it's a good song. Everyone <laughs> should look it up. Uh, yeah, everyone guessed Oprah except for one person. Oh, that's sad. Nice. All right. So wait, this is question three uh, of coming up of how many do we know? I guess we're we're gonna find out. Question three of seven. 
27. Can I read this one? Yeah. In Two and a Half Men, what is Alan Harper's son's name? Oh, my goodness. I've never, I've never seen that show, so right. I don't... Really? I have no it's clue. It's a good show. Yeah. Wait, is, is Alan Harper... That's not Charlie Sheen, right? That's the other dude, right? The nerd? Uh, oh, uh, John Cryer? That, yes, yeah. the nerdy guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're all saying it's four. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's, mm. that's probably right. Probably. I'm going to go with the crowd I, I on that one. I put three just for my boy James O'Connor. Yeah. I'm, hey. I'm, I'm going to go with the crowd on that one. I'm going to go with Jeremy. I'm going to say two. <laughs> okay. Just, just because. Wisdom of the crowd. Someone in the chat asked a question about Amazon. We'll, we'll get back to the stock talk after our trivia segment. Don't worry. Amazon this is, interesting. This is just a way for us to unwind on a Friday. It is a good time to unwind. It's probably Jake. This is definitely Jake. I mean, it sounds like our, our, our next guest who's already who's already here. He's backstage. He he also is convicted on number four. He's probably right. Who who is our next guest? We're gonna preview it. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're gonna talk uh, 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 sports betting with our next guest. Oh, uh, sweet. J- Jeffrey Camus. Nice. He's got a sports betting ETF. Yeah, it was Jake. Yep. All right. Wisdom of the chat. And now he works at State Farm. Fun fact. Uh, oh. Question number four. What was the first animated series made for a primetime network television? The Simpsons, The Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, or Felix the Cat? I'm going to guess The Simpsons. I went Flintstones. For, for, for primetime. The, the keyword here is primetime. It's oh, not. Such a, how it's, do you, what is primetime? Like six, 7 to 9 p.m., right? Whatever the mm, most amount of people are watching. Right. Like The Flintstones is Saturday morning cartoon. So is Scooby-Doo. So is Felix the Cat, I think. I think the keyword here is primetime. It's got to be The Simpsons. That's a great... Enver, that's great, dude. Good clarifier. Unless I'm wrong. I could be wrong. That's just what I'm guessing. I, I, I'm i going to go Flintstones. I trust Rohan. I haven't watched The Simpsons in like 15 years, probably. Great show, though. Great Isn't show. Isn't it like the longest running one? Yeah, it's... It's been on like 30 years. They also predicted the future many times. In many times. Many times. Many times. That's true. Amazing. Yeah. It's got to be the Flinties. Wow, the so. chat's, chat's pretty split on this one. Oh! Oh! Uh. I was incorrect. It was the Flintstones. What do we like to say, Rohan, when we get one right that we didn't think we were going to get right? Uh, We probably shouldn't bring that one up. Cool. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to those trivia fans out there, you know. <laughs> uh. Oh, everybody knows this one. Doesn't everybody know the answer to this All one? All right, what was the name of the main character in the Flash TV series? Oliver Queen, Bruce Wayne, Bart Allen. I think it's Bart, right? Bart sounds right. I think it's Barry Allen. <laughs> or Dude, Barry if, Allen. If, if everybody in the chat doesn't get this one right, I'll be disappointed. Oh, somebody already said three. It's not three. I know. I, I this thought this was this geography. Is TV. This isn't geography. Oh, oh. Geography was oh. last week. <laughs> Aaron Thomas made me say it. I didn't mean that. I was <laughs> that was Aaron. Yeah, it's it's Barry Allen. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That show does slap, though. It is. It's a really good show. Yeah. That was all I was allowed to watch. I mean, the CGI I was, was kind of like trash, but like. It was a good show, though. Wait, was this on like one of those like CW shows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very entertaining. Good show. Yeah, I watched my. F- oh, yeah. almost everyone got it. Someone got fooled by the Bart Allen thing. Who from Benzinga said two? That was Enver. Enver. <laughs> <laughs> Enver made these questions. He, his vote does not count. Oh man, what is the phrase on the UFO poster in Fox Mulder's office in X Files? Also, a show I've never seen before. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this one. Is X Files that one that has that really good like soundtrack? Yes. That, like yes. everybody uses as their ringtone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's literally on Spencer's soundboard somewhere. Nice. Oh wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, wait, it's right here. 
No, it won't play. Why won't it play? I don't know. Every time I come on the show, the soundboard is broken. I know. Something's always broken here. <laughs> I do sound like Jason. Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah, it's the one. That's what it is. It's good. All right. I'm gonna. We are not. Uh. Yeah. I'm the truth say, is out there. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say, say we are not alone. That's what I put. It probably is. We are not alone. I'm gonna say the truth is out there. I'm not looking at the private chat, Jeff. I think I'm afraid you know the answer, and I don't want to see it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh, want to believe. Wow. Oh. Interesting. Tough. A tough day for me in trivia. I wouldn't have known. I suggested this category too. Yeah, I mean, this. I feel like you're. I mean, you're a journalist. I figured like <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I, okay, I guess it doesn't translate to TV, but you know. All right. Every episode of Seinfeld contains an image or reference to what superhero? Wow. Whoa. That's a great question. I'm watching Seinfeld right now, and I feel like I. <laughs> what do you mean you're watching Seinfeld? You're at work. No, well, not at this moment. Oh, okay. But I'm just like currently watching the show again. Oh, it's a great show. I didn't know they. Did what this. is the answer to this? I didn't know this. I've seen uh, I've seen most of Siphon episodes. Not not all, but most. I bet it's got to be Superman. The chat the chat's all saying it's Superman. The chat's all saying it's Superman. It's got to be Superman for sure. I didn't Superman. I didn't I didn't know this though. I was just watching Seinfeld the, the other night. I was watching the one where they go to India for their wedding. Oh yeah, great episode. The one the one, the one where it's backwards. Yeah. They're all saying it's one, so I went with that. It's got to be Superman. I didn't, I didn't know this. I know we have some Seinfeld watchers in our audience. They've got to know. It's got to be one. All right. I, there's a consensus in the chat. Wisdom of the crowd. Yeah. Wisdom of the crowd. I need Tommy Cotter to give me an answer. Tommy Cotter knows. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Wow. And you guys do a decent Perfect. Seinfeld impression. Tommy Cotter, ladies and gents. Thank you, Thomas. You learn something new every day. Enver says we have to. We should not be allowed to look at the chat because we can get the answers from the chat. I guess that's we should, fair. Yeah, we should start hiding it if we're doing trivia. Aaron Bree, it's time for you to. It's time for you to take oh. your spot. Alex Myers, going, going back to work. All right. Hey, Th Spencer, thanks thanks a lot, thanks Michael. Hosting, man. I All appreciate right. you. Um, Alex Myers, this is what you do, Alex. You got to email us. All right. You got to email us at shows at benzinga.com. Put trivia winner or trivia in the in the subject so we know what you're talking about, and we will send you over some swag. There you go, Alex Myers, winner of today's trivia. Thank you for doing trivia, Rohan. I appreciate this, and Michael. Oh yeah, and Enver, obviously. That was a fun time. It's a fun time. All right, um, let's do that. Let's take trivia off the screen here. Let's go back to the markets. I know you know this is a fun show. We do stocks. We do trivia. We're going back to the stocks now. Actually, no, not just stocks. I, I, I much prefer, honestly, I would just rather have conversations about different industries, sectors, you know, what is uh, working, what's not working. Our next guest is going to, we're going to talk pretty broadly right now about sports betting um, and what's going on there. It's been a pretty tough go of it for a lot of these uh, publicly traded sports betting companies. Uh, but uh, Jeffrey Camus is the founder and the CIO and portfolio manager of the Inherent Wealth Fund. They have an ETF that tracks sports betting and gaming. The ticker is IBET, I-B-E-T. Let's give Jeff this special intro and uh, get him on the show right now. Where's my special intro? There it is. <laughs> Jeff, welcome to Benzinga Live. How are we doing? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, how did you perform on that trivia just now? Um, 
Well, I knew the obvious. <laughs> so I, I, we all know Seinfeld. I mean, our age group, I think yeah. your age group of the people on the show are probably a lot younger than I am. But we grew up, Seinfeld oh. was like the staple on Thursday. So everybody sure. knew Superman one. Oh, the Perry okay. Allen one reminded me of uh, the Leonardo movie, Catch Me If You Can, because he used to check in under Barry yeah. Allen as the Flash. Yeah. That's how the Tom Hanks character nailed him. Great so that, that one made me smile. And then I always think Simpsons, where I didn't think that was right. I thought that was a trick. And I, I the question <laughs> for Simpson is longest running TV show. Yeah. That it I like is. the script. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. All right, so uh, you are the proprietor of the iBet ETF, which is uh, the sports betting and gaming ETF. You've, you've got, what, between 35 and 40 holdings across the sports betting space. What I want to know, Jeff, is we've been talking about that space for a while. Obviously, there are secular uh, tailwinds in its favor, and yet it's been a pretty brutal year or so for, in, just in the terms of the public markets. Right. So uh, w- explain this to us. Okay, so when we launched, we launched in November. We launched into the throes of Omicron or Omicron, yeah. however you want to pronounce it. So that took those stocks out. And I think when you when you talk about um, this story, it's not about being in Vegas anymore. This is very digital and very local. You talk about New York that opened up gambling just last month. Yeah. Doing, they're going to almost do a billion and a half in handles. I think the first three weeks it was over a billion in sports betting. And the real story about this, it has nothing to do with um, the customer acquisition costs are the issue right now, right? So you look at, you go to, if you're in New York and you go to like MGM or Caesars or any one of these companies, if you deposit 3,000, they're going to match your 3,000, give you a bonus of 300 to grow their user base. And so these are being factored in and those are, those costs are really expensive. Now, the misinterpretation is when you see something like DraftKings. So DraftKings is one of, I think there's 70 about there's 70 stocks that could be in the ETF. DraftKings is kind of they're spending a lot of money. I mean, you can't escape DraftKings. My brother who doesn't bet on sports, doesn't like sports, knows DraftKings. You know, it is in your face. They're spending a lot of money. I mean, it is a they are going after territory right now, and it is uh, investment cycles for a lot of these people. There's going to be a lot of mergers. There's going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions. You see, like I think just yesterday there was something with Boyd's, which is a really good stable stock with profit. And they just merged with um, DraftKings on, on a certain product. So there's a lot of merging going on. DraftKings bought Golden Nugget. You had MGM go after the Cosmopolitan because they wanted the skewed demographic, the younger demographic. So there's a lot of stuff happening in the space. But we're like kind of at, and I think the good um, correlation for this is probably where we were with cannabis three years ago. I think mm-hmm. what, you see, what you see is there's, it's a wide open territory. It's like the Wild West. And... They're fighting tough regulations. You have New York where you're, they're going to pay 51% revenue tax. And that's, you know, that was hard for DraftKings to make any money in New Hampshire with that. Now, what do I think? I think the most interesting thing about this space is that the correlation of their connection between a media company and betting. And I think if you have a media company, you'll eventually be in sports betting. Such as a, a barstool pen situation. Absolutely. But look at it. Look at even bigger. Look at Fox. I mean, the Fox newscasters are regularly talking about sports betting. If you watch uh, Colin Coward, who's on, who has a pretty good show, he talks about it. Skip and Shannon in the morning. They talk about betting, even though they bet Mountain Dew or whatever they bet as a joke. They talk about sports betting and gambling all the time. In the the old days, you'd have like Al Michaels on uh, doing Monday Night Football and they would make some kind of cute reference like, 
that mattered to somebody, but now they just say it. You know, they're yeah. like, he got the over, I, and then you know, I, I can I can think of Brent Musburger doing a lot of that. Uh, yeah, b- b- back in the day. So you were looking I, live at yeah, right, that's- <laughs> right, exactly. But so I guess like when you when you compare it to cannabis, though, you know, I I'm an investor in several of the largest U.S. cannabis um, MSOs, and uh, as that that's been painful for me and yeah. uh so are are you saying that this is gonna end up being like a multi-year story because i think the assumption was oh we're gonna legalize new states left and right and the market's gonna start growing like gangbusters this is this is a short-term story here but you're saying it's not well no i do i do think i do think some of the customer acquisitions so we're still a baby like i talked to a lot of the companies in the etf and they tell me what's going on when I talk to the ones in Europe, um, they have several accounts. You know, a user or a target a person who will bet on sports will have maybe four and five accounts, meaning they'll be at MGM, Caesars, Win. And by the way, yeah. WinBet, WinBet just opened in New York, too. I just wanted to announce that. But they'll have several accounts. Well, these users right now only have one account. Like, they'll start with MGM and they'll go. But as they grow and grow. But let me tell you about the story. Let me get back to the question. Sorry, I, I yeah. got tangential a little bit. No, that's all right. I think that um, what you're going to see is there are going to be states that are more friendly and less friendly. I think New York is a huge opportunity. I also think when you get bigger companies involved in this. So let me, let me, let me talk about something that I think is really interesting because I heard a question when I was listening. So something happened this year. I think when you get larger companies in, they're going to be able to break through some of these tax problems. And let me, let me bring it up. So we already know Disney, and we have a really small holding at Disney in our ETF because Disney owns ESPN, of course, and ESPN is starting to get a little more hip to sports betting. They have a show on where they talk about wagering, and they will have some type of interactive play. When you start getting, about, it's about 2% of the fund. I'm just, just yeah. to tell people. Yeah. Um, when... When Disney gets more involved and companies that are really large that, that can bring a lot of weight in, in their markets, I think they're going to clean up things a little bit. And let me, let me talk about another company that may get involved in this space. They're not involved. It would be a story I'm talking about. But uh, DirecTV, which had the biggest thing DirecTV ever did was get the NFL package. And a lot of this gambling is on the NFL. We're going to see huge numbers, probably the largest numbers ever in the Super Bowl upcoming. So when DirecTV... And this is kind of a big thing. Somebody asked about Amazon. So DirecTV now is, is, is losing the NFL Sunday ticket. There's two companies that are bidding for it because it's going to be something like a 3 to $5 billion price tag to own it. Amazon and Apple. Now, whoever gets that, you're telling me that they're not going to try to integrate some type of sports betting with that? So, no, I'm just, so what I, all I'm just saying is that when you get these larger players in there, they're going to start being able to cut through this in a little bit in a better in a better way to make it more cost effective so if for an amazon or an apple hypothetically that would mean partnering with someone so unless i mean they could theoretically do their own thing but that seems like a giant pain in the butt um so so they would partner up with the sports book um and so for that lucky sports book then great but for the rest of them it's sort of you know you're out of luck yeah, well, well, they're all trying to grow and grab the piece of pie. I mean, I, I, right. it is out there, and they're and it's out. You know, like I say, I think it very much resembles like the Wild West. The one thing yeah. that they're not facing that you know cannabis is is I think they are getting rid of you know I think it is eating up the bookie business. The ind- individual bookie business is going away. Yeah. I also saw an interesting um, company that just started where 
instead of betting and giving up 10% or the vigorish that you give up to the house, they're actually allowing partners, the pure match to bet each other. And they're only taking 5% of the cut to do that. So they'll match you. Like, let's say you were going to bet with your friend and you'd say, Hey, is there somebody out there who wants a $10 wager on the Niners game last weekend or something? Then you can peer match. So I think, I just think the industry is going through kind of a revolution. We're going more digital, which means you're going to get more efficiencies, but it is going to be costly at the beginning. But I don't think, I think what's going to be really interesting is we're going into some really good earnings in the next two or three weeks. So you have large companies like MGM coming out with earnings. You know, we had some good earnings yeah. from Las Vegas Sands. You have Red Rock Resorts. There's a lot of smaller companies that are doing actually pretty well in the industry coming up and beating, beating on prior earnings. So I think we're seeing it. And, and and this this is exactly why I think, frankly, ETFs is the way to go for the, for getting exposure here because you, it's it's so early we don't know there's going to be consolidation there's 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 you know who's going to win impossible to say frankly now your ETF though I bet is actively managed which means you're picking the the stocks in it and you're deciding the weighting right that's correct. So how, what's behind that methodology? Mostly, I would say, okay, so I come back, I come from, in my background, and I probably didn't give you my bio, but I used to run a fantasy sports company when I was, oh. many years ago, I ran a, a company called Dodger Stats Fantasy Sports. I know a lot of players in this industry, and what really my methodology is directly speaking and interviewing these companies. And so I want to know as much as I can about these companies, and where indexes will go by, based on some parameters, the, my ability to be able to be more flexible and be a visionary in what's happening in some of these sectors gives me more freedom to get a new flyer into my group. And I, and I also would, I'd like to have something like a, um, like a Boyd's in my ETF, which may not be as sexy to other ETFs, you know? So, and I also don't have to take some of the China stocks that really got hammered because we had all the Macau issues. You know, mm -hmm. I took Win out, um, because I thought when, when had, there was a story about when, where they were going to sell their, their sports betting department in New York, they were going to sell that for like 300 million and take a huge loss on it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, but I saw too much danger with win right now. And so we took that out. Now that probably is in the other ETFs that, that are in the space, but I just think it gives me flexibility to really research this and be, and be what an active manager should be, which is, which is the most knowledgeable person in the space. So are, are you actively adding are you constantly adding and and deleting or are you do you stick to like a, a rebalancing schedule or, or what well i think um one of the so i think it's based on it's news driven right so i'm looking for some yeah. kind of an occurrence to happen one of the one of the companies that i really like that actually makes money and so what's look what's going on in the market in general right now and we could talk a little bit about other stocks if you want to at some point but in the markets in general right now, people are looking for value-oriented plays, right? So if you go back to like the Ben Graham model or what Buffett would say, you're looking for companies that actually have low price-to-earnings ratio. And if you look at a company like a Bally's, those are kind of interesting to me. Bally's just made a big pitch to build, you know, a $100 million casino in downtown Chicago. That kind of thing is exciting to me. That's a play, I grew up in Chicago. The idea of having a Chicago casino on the waterfront to me it's amazing. I mean, one of the best casino, uh, you know, uh, convention cities in the United States, having a casino on the waterfront is exciting to me. So I, we added and I upped my position in Bally's because I think that's a progressive move. 
And I also changed, you know, we got rid of some of the growthier positions when we first opened and we added to some of the ones that have a little more value. You know, I look at something like um, Golden Nugget. A lot, what's going on in the space right now is I can tell you there's every one of these positions or a lot of them are shorted. There's a lot mm -hmm. of shorts in the space because you see, um, you'll definitely see the slingshot effect on these stocks because they'll be down four or 5% one day, they'll be up seven, 8% the next day. And that's happening a lot. And so when they get any kind of good, you know, occurrence, they get slingshot back up. And I know Jim Chanos, who's a famed shorter, has a big short in DraftKings. I don't know how long he's going to stay in it. I think that thing's down more than two thirds. I mean, it, to me, I'm not saying it's value because it's PE is still negative like five, but I'm saying if you're going to be an investor and you're going to look at a long-term, Getting into one of those now is not a terrible idea. Yeah, I'm looking at the holdings in this fund, and there are some names that are definitely um, off the beaten path a little bit. Names like Evolution. I mean, Flutter. Flutter is a big name. Not many people, if you're not up, up in the space, you, you don't know about Flutter. Uh, names that I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with. Names like Camby and and uh tab corp i i don't know them as uh, either of them frankly um, well a lot of these are traded you know so when i when i right. mentioned so when i talked to a company called um gambling.com they're not in the portfolio right now but they they essentially are a referral business and they they were kind of explaining their company and their product and the great thing about this is they they'll readily bring me they'll tell me all about you know they every time i talk to it i talk to someone from one of these companies and learn 10 new things about the industry so gambling.com is a is a referral source for other gambling platforms. And he was they were telling me about a lot of these we're very much in our infancy in gambling. But in Europe it's been, you know, for for many long times, especially like in 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 Sweden and different places like that, um they've had gambling legalized for a long time. So they're sure. these companies a lot of these are from, you know, Straight, trade on like the Oslo Stock Exchange and all over all over the world. So I think that it's it's basically our knowledge is limited because we're not seeing them on our stock tickers when we watch CNBC and they don't talk right. about these companies. Exactly, exactly. I, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, Jeffrey, you mentioned your background. You ran a fantasy sports website. Yeah. Uh, what what similarities are there between fantasy sports and investing? Because Aaron and I both do both of those things as well. <laughs> well, okay. So what I would do, I was a big kind of like a Bill James guy and I'm oh. sure, and like sabermetrics guy. And I, I was big on analytics. So I would write, I think that picking stocks is so similar to picking players. You know, they, they go in different cycles, especially in baseball. Baseball says really, if you do something 500 times, there's going to be a set group of things that happens. A guy's going to fall into these categories and then you have the outlier years. So I really think when you analyze players, it's the same as analyzing stocks. You're looking for catalysts. Did the guy get in great shape in the offseason? Is he in a contract year? You know, is he a year of 27, like in baseball we used to talk about? So you're looking for catalysts like that in stocks, right? So I want to buy something like Bally's right now because I'm thinking, you know, if Bally's breaks that Chicago deal and that starts happening, that's going to be a big growth opportunity for Bally's. So I think – when you analyze players, it's the same way. And I still, I still have, you know, I play in fantasy football leagues, just like I'm sure many of your listeners and yourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's fun. I think the people who, I think it's the same audience is, is really what it is. The corollary is that it's the same audience, especially in sports betting. You know, somebody who's, who's playing DraftKings uh, for, the, for the fantasy side of it, where you're putting teams together, is probably the same guy if he can do it in his state 
who's going to maybe make a $5 parlay wager or something. Do, do you actively sports bet or are you just, I do, I do. I love, I, I love to, um, my wagers are mostly football. I love to bet on football. I, um, I think it was a crazy year for sports. I don't know about yourselves, how you did. I think it was a really tough year last year, last year and this year because of so many people out with, with COVID, it was just like, you didn't know who you were getting. And sometimes you'd be like, well, they have 10 guys out. They're not going to play well. And it didn't matter. They still did well. <laughs> okay. So, so what I want, so what I want to know from you is how many different accounts do you have? I have three. Oh, me too. How many are there? Aaron? I just have one. I just have my DraftKings. Really? Yeah. Is that for is that for fantasy or for for straight no, up for betting? Uh, for betting? Yeah, we're in Michigan. It's it's legal up here. Um, I actually was very early in on the DraftKings FanDuel daily fantasy. I mean, I remember, you, you know, making accounts on the like I wasn't even eighteen at the time, but my dad thought it was cool. We were like signing up under his name and we were doing all of them. Um, but then it came out over time like how it's just like one percent of people like keep winning on the from from like the different the different algorithms they're running yeah. and stuff so i find the daily fantasy stuff like very hard to but, compete in but do you have loyalty to any i don't know you didn't say what accounts you have but like i i've got i've got a mgm i've got a DraftKings, and i've got a, a fanduel a fanduel sports book um i have no loyalty to any of them frankly that's just what i that's just what i have well i'm I mean, in california i'm in california so i can't really have as many as you okay. can because we don't have it but but I do have some loyalty to MGM because, like, I'm going to I'm going to be in Vegas. We're going to have a little party in Vegas for the Super Bowl, and I usually stay with MGM, so I have some loyalty because it does okay. count. And they're I mean they're they're giving inducements, right? They're tracking loyalty programs, so sure. you know you get upgraded. Vegas is very crowded for the Super Bowl this year, I would tell you. So you know they are going to be packed because as I try to get rooms for my two boys, they're going to go. I had to put them in like. <laughs> they barely got in is what i'm saying so they're they're packed for the super bowl this year they're on uh uh, uh what's it called uh fairmont yeah uh, sorry about your i hope you're not a lions fan by the way no no actually neither of us are lying well i've adopted the Lions, but now that neither of us are from are from here originally uh but i i did adopt the lions as my lovable losers team i feel i feel bad for them and i root for them um, I would for, agree with that. I'm rooting for the Bengals in the, in the Super Bowl because I'm from St. Louis originally, so I don't I don't root for the Rams. <laughs> uh, so I have a I have a regular. So I I have I'm up a little bit this year, so I'm gonna let it ride. And I, I don't want to take. I'm a Packers fan, so we're gonna probably be going through grief after Rodgers goes. But yep. we're kind of sick of being held hostage to at the same time. But I think I'm definitely I'm gonna do a, a little podcast about it. I think I'm gonna go with the Bengals just for as a fan in this one because there's something i don't like about you know the rams i don't know what it is maybe because they left the midwest can't quite you're, you're a chicago <laughs> guy i'm a st louis guy we we can have we can look out for each other can't there you go i'll protect you on it yeah but, but but my point i'm asking you about the accounts though is really like i would imagine most people are like me where they just don't have any loyalty to any one sports book right, right? they any are one brand they right. are they are, and they're going to go for, like I said, if you're if you're like in New York, you're going to go in, if you have like 10 grand that you want to put in accounts, yeah. you're going to go and get as many matches as you can. Right. right. And, and what I've noticed too is it's not only like first-time customer bonuses being offered. I mean, there are always different promotions. I know I, I use the DraftKings one primarily because it's like the only one I have on my phone, and I'm just lazy about downloading uh, a new one. But uh, DraftKings will offer like, you know, bet a $20 same game parlay, get your money back if it loses. And that's not for first time users. Yeah. It's just for any user. And sucks, so, sucks for you. Right, I do. So, I, 
I do a bunch of the fantasy contests in DraftKings, and I, I use my fantasy background. And I've thought about creating an algo to try to find those players. It's it, it's very tough to win in those contests when you're going against like ten thousand guys. I think my best finish was like top three hundred, and I've yeah, I'd say tough. Like, yeah, I mean it's tough, and so I'll get my money back and sometimes double my wager. You'll be like on a twenty dollar contest. I know of one forty sometimes, but it, it's really hard to pick the guy who's going to be the outlier because everyone's going to pick. Like if you had, if you're going to do the the one for like the upcoming Super Bowl, you know, you'd have a bunch of guys who had Burrow and a bunch of guys who had Stafford, and then you'd have to figure out if you nail that one guy. But who's the outlier? You're going to have to nail one outlier that nobody grabbed. And if you look at Super Bowls, there's always an outlier player who has like a huge game. Yeah. What I, I mean, what do they still have the head-to-head like peer-to-peer ones on there on DraftKings? I don't know. I haven't. I don't know if they're going to have that for this one. You mean head-to-head like individual or head-to-head for like just you know? Like you're they used to have an option the on, the, on. They used to have an option on the daily fantasy where it, instead of being in a pool with ten thousand people, it was just you against someone else, and it was like twenty bucks to win twenty bucks, and it was your lineup against their. Lineup. Uh, you know, I never did that. I always do the classic games because I'm greedy like everybody else. So I'm looking for the big win. So I'm, right, gonna, I'm yeah. looking for the the guy who's got the million dollars next to his name or the the fifty thousand. My son just called me this morning. and He goes. Dad, I got an 18 parlay. I'm like, you're not going to win an 18 parlay. You know, he's got a $5 18 parlay on, <laughs> 18 the, on the NBA. Parlay. Yeah, he lives, he, he lives in, he went to school in Arizona. So he's, it's, he can bet there. And by the way, like, I think the other thing that's really cool is you're seeing all these new integrations in stadiums. Arizona just announced one. Yeah. yeah. You have them everywhere. I mean, it's, 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 it's just going to be ubiquitous, I guess, is a big, you know, big word for saying it's going to be everywhere. All right, Jeffrey Camus is the uh, proprietor of the iBet ETF, IBET. He's the founder and the C, uh, CIO of Inherent Wealth Fund. Uh, Jeffrey, it has been a pleasure to chat with you today. Uh, obviously, you know, you're long-term bullish on the space, but challenges remain. Uh, we will be uh, tracking the progress uh, going forward, and we'd love to have you back on again soon. Have a good rest of your day. Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Alrighty. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. All righty, it is 124. So we've gotten almost all the things we wanted to get done done today. We've got one last guest, Rick DaCosta, on. He'll come on in about five or so minutes. We're going to talk trading psychology with Rick. Uh, but we did our trivia. We did our name that chart. Uh, we gave away the swag. Well, we didn't actually give it away yet, but I, I did see Anthony. Was give it, it away, Anthony? Give it away, give it away. No. So a- Anthony was the winner. He, he emailed us already. So uh, it was Alex. Sorry, Alex, we, I see your email. Aaron Bree will respond, right? I can do that. Well, not right now, I meant, but like, oh. I meant like in general. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's just take stock of things. How are we doing out there? I haven't looked at the overall market. This is what happens is I go on this show and I just like lose track of what's actually happening out there. So I'm going to pull up my watch list and Benzinga Pro. I'm going to look at um, what we got out there today. Okay. All right. Amazon is holding, which is what what I'm really watching today, right? I just want to see Amazon hold. You want to see Amazon hold most of its gains. It's not going to hold all the gains, obviously. Oh, actually, I stand corrected on that fact. It's <laughs> over the last over the course of this show, it's rebounded nicely. This is what happens. I just I I don't look at charts for like a couple hours, and I lose all sense of time and space. So let's just pull up our spy real fast. Spy doing the same thing. Nice day for the spy. All right. All right. This is solid. I like this. Let's just bring up the uh, 
I did get into a, a new trade, which I kind of broke one of my rules. Speaking of trading psychology, what was the trade? I bought some uh, WM weekly Apple calls that expire next Friday. Oh, but the the rule I broke is that it, it, I'm going to hold the contracts over the weekend. I don't know, dude. I'm so you know what you know what we haven't talked about in like two weeks. No, COVID. You know why? No, it's in the it's done. Omicron came and passed. Cases been. Absolutely. I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying it's done, um, but it's definitely not as big a deal as. It well, I do. so so this was kind of predicted by a lot of people with Omicron that w- when it's more contagious but less severe, that it would spread quicker, and then uh, just as quickly as we saw the cases spike up, it would spike down. But the other aspect of it is uh, fr- from like an administrative standpoint, the the. Biden and the Democrats know right now that, like, the only chance they have in hell in the midterm elections is to, you know, get rid of the COVID restrictions, try to make everyone happy. Um, So they've already kind of said they're, like, done doing anything on that front. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but that has no bearing on, like, the virus spreading, right? The virus is still going to I think from a stock market perspective, like, all bullish, all bullish news on the COVID front. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but again, COVID, COVID is still a thing. We're, we're, we're going to get more waves and more variants. The only spin zone would be that okay, now that COVID's not a thing anymore, maybe they're going to be increasing rates more or at a higher rate than expected. No, I don't. I don't know if they're factoring that in. I, I was talking to my parents. Like, I got COVID. You didn't get COVID yet, did you? Not that I know. I, I got COVID. I was talking to my parents the other week, and I really, I was like, Mom, like, you guys should just, just get it, just get COVID, just get it over with. Right, like they're vaccinated, they're boosted. Just, just get, just get it, get it over with. And because my parents are like very cautious people, I'm, a, I'm not as cautious like them. Um, I feel like it's better if everyone just got it and then get, you know, provide you that you know you're, you're vaccinated and all that. But just get it, get it over with. It. It's kind of, it's kind of where I'm at. BCF saying no COVID talk, guys. We haven't talked about COVID in a while. Aaron just said that. That's what I'm saying. That's the so, reason we haven't been talking about it yeah. is because cases are disappearing. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the um, the COVID case tracker. I well, That's not true. I, I looked at it like a month ago. But before that, I haven't looked at it in a long time. So, yeah. Um, oh, see, Denmark said it's over. It's officially over. Denmark said it's over. Scott Gottlieb said it was over on CBC like three months ago before Omicron. So... Oh, what does Scott know? That uh, was weird. Anyway, um, let's bring on our guest here. Let's talk trading. Let's talk trading psychology. New guest. It's New Guest Friday. We've had like like, three new guests on the show today. I like new guests. New blood. It's more fun that way. Rick DaCosta is the president of FitTraders.com. Fit stands for Financially Independent Traders, I think. Let's find out. Let's Let's give Rick... Uh, again, special intro of the day. Rick DaCosta, how are we doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Was I, correct? Having- was I correct that FIT stands for Financially Independent Traders? That's right, Financially Independent Traders, so FITraders.com. FITraders, um, oh. Yeah, came up with the name about three years ago. It originally started as Rick's Trades. Everyone used to just follow me on Instagram. And then we gravitated to more of a professional approach, and we took on uh, the name Fit, 
we, we technically just go by fit, but if you look at our website, you'll see financially independent traders. Thanks for having me on guys. All right. We got, we got some of your friends in the chat. Rick said, uh, Ted says, Rick is the best trader I've ever seen. How long have you been trading? <laughs> uh, I started trading in 2009. So good time to start yes. trading, right? Right after Great the time. financial crisis. I didn't know what I was doing up until probably about 2013. 2013. I went full time. I became a full time trader in 2017. I used to work for the Bank of Montreal, BMO, here in Canada. Nice. Um, I learned some some good experience there from some brokers. So I learned the tricks of the trade, and was fortunate enough to be a part of the cannabis boom. So we had a Canada cannabis boom here in uh, Canada. So ran that cycle up. And at that time, I decided to go full time. So I went full time in 2017, started my YouTube channel in 2018. That was like a supply and demand issue because all my friends and family texted me, asking me all these questions about the cannabis stocks at that time. So I was like, I got I to gotta open something where everybody could see. So we started on Instagram. We gravitated towards YouTube. So YouTube has been open since 2018. I've been helping new traders, sophisticated traders. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter uh, your skill level since 2018 on YouTube. And then we grew a community and here we are today on Benzinga Live. Here you are. You guys have taken over our chat right now. Uh, I, I love it. Um, what, how would you describe, broadly speaking, how would you describe your strategy, your approach? I'm more of a short-term momentum trader. I yeah. use, uh, I have, you know, everybody has their own system, right? My system is really based off of using uh, Fibonacci's, using volume, volume to really dictate the trades and using the ADMA as a momentum indicator. Anybody who's been watching me for a long time knows I always focus on the ADMA. Typically, if a chart is riding the ADMA, and it's one of my names, I'm going to be on it. And one of the other components I use is the Kumo Cloud. So I like using the Kumo Cloud as well. But basically, short-term momentum trader. I'm not a bottom ticker. I'm not a top fisher. You see the bull in the background over here. I'm 99% going to be in bull trades. Uh, but I teach traders of all, all sorts of different strategies. And the number one thing I teach them is you got to be you. you got to be the trader you want to be. So if you're, a, if you're a bottom fisher, if you're a Bollinger Band trader, if you're a breakout trader, whatever it is. I have a couple of go-to trades that I use, like a volume climax trade, um, trading off of the golden pocket, if you understand uh, Fibonacci golden pocket zones. So I have a couple of go-to trades that I really teach people. But at the end of the day, you know, this is everyone's got to find their own style. People watch my videos, they learn from my style, but they don't necessarily take that exact system and make it their own because you can't, you got to be you. But what they do get value from me is helping them with the trading psychology. That's the main thing I typically focus on when I'm teaching new traders, because anybody could teach you how to read a chart. Anybody could teach you, um, you know, call out a trade. Like I don't run a call out service. I run a true trading community and we have. So how, how did, how did you find, how, how did you come to find that? Oh, like I like Fibonacci's or I, I, I like looking at uh, certain indicators. How, like, was it just a trial and everything or? Yeah, it's, it's just a time tested and true a system. So, Back in 2017, I didn't know about Fibonacci's. I, I, that wasn't something I was using at that time. But I ran into a couple of traders along my journey. And you learn, right? You learn from other people. You learn from the people around you. If you see somebody that is showing you some success and they have a system, you could kind of just take away a little tidbit from it. How can I incorporate yeah. that into my system? So if you know, if the basis of Fibonacci's is like Elliott Wave, a lot of traders are going to gravitate towards Elliott Wave. I don't go towards Elliott Wave. I use the components of Fibonacci's because I'm not trying to predict too many cycles in the market in, in advance. I'm trying to predict the next one week, the next couple of days. How could I extract money from here? And then if right, we're going to use the momentum on our side. 
So for me, it was just watching the golden pocket over and over hit. This is where the algos are buying. It's a typical zone where you're going to see market reactions and then incorporate it into my system. So let's talk about psychology. And if you wanted to share your screen, you, you, by all means, feel free to. You can just go ahead and bring it up sure. on, on the screen right now. But like, let's talk about like what are some of the biggest, like the most common mistakes, psychological mistakes that you see new? No, not necessarily new. Any trader make. Well, here's the thing. Most people get into trading because someone told them to buy something, or they saw something on Twitter. They, you know, it's crypto, it's GameStop, whatever it is. Yeah. So when a trader gets not a trader, when somebody comes into the market for the first time, the worst thing that could happen to them is to be successful right away mm. because they don't really know why they were successful. So if you made a lot of money in crypto before the, you know, before we started consolidating in 2017, if you made a lot of money recently and you just got into the market now, if you made money in GameStop back in Wall Street bets last, what was it, 2020 now or 2021? I can't remember when yeah, that exactly exploded. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. Just like when you start off trading options, I, I basically trade weekly options. That's my go-to. I'm a conservative trader, but I get aggressive when the time is right, and I use that with weekly options. It's just like when you get options for the first time. If you're very successful in the beginning, it's going to hurt you in the long run. My, my focus on teaching people trading psychology is based off of my experiences, my losses. Lessons not learned in blood are easily forgotten, and I teach people this so that Hey, you got into the market. Great. You made a million dollars and now you're depressed because it's dropped to 200,000. Well, if you didn't sell at 100, you didn't sell at 500, you didn't sell at a million. When were you going to sell? You were always going to go through this market cycle. You were always going to blow up. So what happens is once they blow up, then they try to learn, right? Then they try to learn. Then they try to learn the charts. And then you think, hey, I've learned the charts. Now I figured this out. I would have sold at that point at that time. But then you realize the charts is just another fraction of trading. The main thing the system doesn't matter what it is. Of course, you have to perfect your system. But the main thing is your own psychology. If you don't have your hope, fear, greed and regret in check, if you don't understand what those four things and how they apply to the chart, the chart that you're watching, can you guys see my chart right now? Yeah, I'm going to bring it up right now. There it is. Yeah. So I'm going to use like to circle back on that hope, fear, greed and regret. What I teach traders is you have to reflect on that every single day on every trade you put on. Because when you don't reflect on it, you don't learn from the emotional experience of the trade that you actually put on. And that's the true execution is how in control are you of your emotions during the trade. The trade might continue to run on you. The trade might continue to dump on you. How did you handle it? When you reflect and reflect, I mean, it's not just all you think about at the end of the day. You write, you write it down. We have in our community, we have a reflection thread at the end of the day, every day. And people talk about their experience, what they did, the mistakes that they made, what, what went well. That way, the next time the situation arises, you have that. You have that experience and you learn from the experiences. And then I talk about the psychology in the chart because every pattern in the market, I mainly focus on patterns. Every pattern in the market has a psychology to it. So why is this triangle going to break out? Why is this cup and handle going to play out? Why is it going to bounce off of the uh, golden pocket? A volume climax when a chart is collapsing, when a chart is you know mooning, there's going to be a volume climax. And why? Is it going to react this way? So once you understand those things and you're in, you're in control because you understand your own emotions, how you're going to handle this, people don't like buying fear. This morning, if we're looking in, in queue, for example, we were, we were dropping hard in uh, off of job summers, right? And people were scared. People were worried. But all we were doing in NQ, look at the shape in here, sharp, 
oh, this is collapsing. The market's going to crash. Here we go. All we were doing in NQ, we were just coming back to the zone that we were continuously loading up off. Here we go. Support acted as resistance, 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 support. Once we broke, we backtested it. And then NQ took off. Guess where it wants to backtest to? Wants to backtest to the golden pocket perfectly and right in the zone. So while everybody's fearful, if you're in control and you understand there's no reason to be scared here, you're prepared to be a buyer in the zone. And that's what I teach people. At the end of the day, you might not want to be a buyer in here. You might want to just see it happen and be, okay, I'm comfortable now. Now I could get into some trades a little bit later on. This is exactly what we just did together um, getting into Tesla because we just got into Tesla weekly options for next week because we felt comfortable based off of what we saw in here. Yeah, can you, so, walk, well, can you walk us through that trade real fast? Yeah, so Tesla. So the, what I've been looking at in Tesla here is, again, going back to the uh, golden pocket in here. So as we had a big run up, Okay. As we had this big run up off of our lows, we had an exceptional run in here and you could see where the market came back and we would expect that the market would come back into this golden pocket zone. It's not there because the log chart was on taking the log chart off. You can see right in here is exactly, let's move this out of the way where we hit was two to T the bottom of the golden pocket. Okay. So this is the buy zone. So if you're watching my videos, if you understand that you understand, this is a buy zone. Since we bought up off of that zone, we've now established ourselves in a little bit of a falling channel. Let's go back to this falling channel in here, which is being thrown off right now because I've moved that line right in here. So if you could see here, what's been happening in Tesla is we started at our top. We rejected it in here. We rejected it again. Let's zoom in a little bit in here. You can see we're constantly rejecting the zone in here. We tried to go for a breakout the other day that the market was pulling us down. And then today we got the breakup. So there's a couple of reasons to take this trade in here. One, jobs numbers are behind us. Amazon's lifted the market. You're starting to feel a little bit confident. You see NASDAQ back test that zone starting to break. Also looking at the fact that uh, ES is coming back up, up over the 4492, those key gamma levels in there. And in here, you could also see there's an inverse head and shoulders. What I really like about this is you have multiple reversal signals. One, breaking the upper trend line. Two, you got the inverse head and shoulders. Three, it was showing strength while the market was showing a little bit of weakness this morning. And also, if you take this all off and you consider where we are, and if we're going to retrace from the, if we're going to bounce off of the golden pocket, I think we will retrace back up to the golden pocket. So that gives you a lot of probability for a great risk to reward trade. So we can bring this chart, you know, maybe we hit the 0.5. We rejected this resistance over here at 987, but gold pockets up at 1049, 1063. So if you're buying a thousand calls for next week that are trading at $5 and uh, we get up into that 1050 range, if the market participates, we have a good futures market on Sunday, we get follow through next week, that's a thousand percent return. So the risk to reward is so favorable. Of course, we need to break 947, but you know, we'll, we'll adjust based off of, you know, how, well, how the market reacts. What was the strike price on those, uh, on those Tesla options? Uh, $5.20. So they're probably up 30, 40% right now for next Got week, 1,000 calls. And if you look at the market in here, and Tesla's like one of my babies, like our community, our chat room, we don't, we're not a penny, a penny stock chat room. We don't focus on any penny stocks at all. We focus on the big board. We only focus on the big board. Um, 
you know, like names that'll be relative to the big board. Your previous guest was talking about DraftKings. It's like a sore spot in my heart, DraftKings, because that was my biggest loss of 2020. I don't like that stock at all. But we'll focus on, you know, what, what's Kathy have, what's in ARC and the big board, right? So, um, and also uh, just circling back here on the Tesla trade, if you think about the potential of a squeeze back up, right? That this would be the bottom. This was a load, right? Everyone got fearful in here. We hold the potential again, just going back to the risk to reward. We're setting up a huge inverse head and shoulders in here. This is a great opportunity in the market, right? Great opportunity. So to go back, it's really about um, understanding the psychology of the pattern and how you could execute. Everyone was fearful today. Premiums dropped on Tesla. That's a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about the community. Um, I got a partner, Sherv, man. So Sherv takes care of all of our fundamental, our macroeconomic viewpoints. He's really knowledgeable in understanding the vol and the gamma. So it's not just about trading off of patterns, not just about trading off of Fibonacci's. We have a big focus on what's happening in the macro environment. We've got a lot of great traders. It's more of a boutique community. We have 300 members, so we're not like trying to drive a thousand. I don't, I don't go and do advertising. I don't go on Twitter and post every single right. thing that right. we called correctly. We're just not into that. Um, people that join our community are the right people. I, yeah, I, sorry, I, I'm curious. So, Rick, so you said you, you're mostly a, a long trader. You, you've been in this long enough to have seen a number of market cycles. I mean, yeah, last decade was more or less a prolonged. Um, prolonged bull market but there are pockets of weakness in there and there, mm -hmm. there's of course 2020 but there was 2018 there's 2016 2015 2013 yep. i think so like how do you approach a market that is not just going straight up like a market yeah. that is or straight down a market that's going sideways for instance yeah absolutely so i've been on youtube since 2018 so what happened in 2018 uh we had the fed crash right the fed rates so we dropped 20 percent up until that christmas so i had to deal yeah. with teaching people how to trade within that moment we also had the corona crash well actually prior to that we had the cannabis stock crash i mean cannabis is, cannabis stocks like if you look at cgc was once trading at 76 dollars or tilray was once trading at 300 and now they're trading in the single digits so I had to deal with that. I had to deal with the Fed crash. I had to deal with the Corona crash. And then the, the essential arc bubble crash of 2021. What I teach people is not that you need to follow me. I'm not going short here. I'm not playing short. I'm looking for the next bull opportunity. But yes, when we are in a consolidation market or in a correction market, the bull window of opportunity is very small because we're trying to play counter trend. So when you're trying to play counter trend, you have to change your style. If you're a bull because you're always trying to find the bottom because the market's always trying to find its bottom so when you're playing counter trend your window of opportunity is so much smaller so i like to look for a couple of things that are going to give me a signal one it's a short-term scalp play scalp play off of a golden pocket two it's a volume climax there's a volume climax opportunity but all that stuff doesn't matter i help teach bears too how to let their trades develop for me what matters is protecting my higher low so the reason why I'm able to be a sustainable full-time trader is because I have the psychology set that I will always protect my higher low. So not the charts higher low, my personal higher low in my trading account. So if I just made 10,000, if I just made 100,000, whatever it is, there's a certain amount I'm willing to give back when I'm participating in the market. And if I reach that point, I need to hands off and only yeah, take so A plus setups. I, I want to talk about exits. Entries are easy or are easier. Exits are very difficult right yeah, knowing when yeah. to, uh, especially knowing when to cut a loser so like how do you how do you do that 
cut a loser is very simple. You should have an invalidation zone of the chart. So if you're like for myself, I don't trade off of fundamentals of a company, Yeah. but I'm not going to trade companies that I don't understand. I'm going to trade companies that I'm very aware of them. And this is why we, we focus on the big board, but I'm not going to be going looking at balance sheets. I'm not going to be looking at year over year statements. I'm going to be looking, okay, is the company sound? What is the chart pattern? You know, the fundamentals will tell you what stocks to buy, but the charts are going to tell you when to buy and when to sell. So when you're making your entry, when you're buying, you should have an invalidation zone. Why are you buying in here? And this is why we use charts. We use charts yeah. to give us a little bit of a edge in the system. They don't always work. They're going to be invalidated often. Oh, it looked good yesterday. Well, it doesn't look good today. Here's what happened in the overnight market. That's what happens. But you should have an invalidation zone. So if you think about, I'm going to buy NQ today off of this golden pocket, if it falls below the golden pocket, should you still be in? Well, your reason for entering was there. Now your exit, right? So that's your reason for exiting on a loss. Your exit reason for the upside is you have to look for the sell targets, whether it's a Fibonacci, whether it's an upper Bollinger Band, whether it's a price level, a, a supply zone, a resistance zone, whether the chart runs too hot and you get a volume climax, I like to use short-term momentum indicators to tell me that these are sell zones, sorry, that potentially get ready for it to be a sell zone, like an eight exponential moving average. The further you get away from it, it's like getting too far away from the upper bound band. You start to get prepared that I'm going to need to take off some profits in here. So you get, you get prepared for it, but then you look for confluence. Is there a zone in here? Is there resistance coming up? Is there a Fibonacci? What's the rationale? Versus if you're just going to buy and hold, here's what's going to happen. You're going to make money and most of the time you're going to be giving it back. And what does that circle back to? Your emotions being regretful that you gave too much back. Why are you regretful that you gave too much back? Because you were greedy. The greed emotion took over while you were in the chart. So I have this thing called the 40 to 60 scale. You guys know, oh. RS, you guys know RSI 30 to 70, anything below 30, yep. yeah. you're oversold. Anything yep. above 70, you're overbought. I try to teach people that when a chart is in that 40 to 60 scale, it's very healthy, right? It's very healthy. If it's trending up, you know, it goes over 60, you know, it gets really hot. It's over 70, but your emotions, that 40 to 60 scale, when you're in that euphoric moment, catch yourself in that euphoric moment. Your emotions are over to 60. You're getting the 70, 80. What happens when a chart gets in the 70, 80? It comes back down. It corrects, you know, unless it's GameStop, it goes 99 or whatever, but you understand there's going to be a correction. So your emotions are about to have a correction. So you need to be aware before you let your emotions down. Emotional correction. That's a good one. Emotional correction. Never heard it's, of like that before. It's, it's, we all go through it. Highs Rick, and lows. Do you, ever, do you ever roll options over? I'll roll an option over if, um, you know, I feel the time, I feel the trade's going to work out, but the time is wrong. That's all I'm going to do. So if I think about, listen, uh, this chart looks perfect. It's all set up. I'm in the trade and I'm down, you know, 10, 15, 20% in the option. I feel like nothing's invalidated in here, but I don't want to take that risk for it. it's expiring next week. I might roll it out to a week after. I might change a different strike. So for me rolling it out, all I'm doing is taking the money that's left in the value of the trade and transferring it into a new strike and a new date. So if I put 10,000 and now there's 8,000 left in it, Okay, I'm at risk here. If this doesn't work out next week, 8,000 is going to quickly become three or four. Let me take the eight and give myself more time. That's the only way I would do it. Yeah, I was just curious because I, I recently, um, I like to trade weekly options too. And I, I had never rolled any options over, but I recently had for the first time a couple of weeks ago in a very similar situation where I thought, I still think this is going to hit my strike price. I just need one extra week. So I had to put down, uh, I think, a couple extra, a uh, few hundred bucks of capital to, to roll yeah. it out, but it ended up being worth it in the long run. Yeah. Well, I was hearing you, Aaron, talk about that 
you're breaking your rules that because you're going to swing the Apple options over the weekend. Um, you know, that, that that's the the thrill and the anxiety of weekly options, right? Because if you get that gap up on Monday, you're having a great payday to start the week. I'm, like I said, I'm very cautious into in terms of the amount of trades I'm going to take, where I'm going to take the trades. But when I'm ready to go, if the market tells us it's time to go, then I'm going to be all over these weekly options. And hence, I will be swinging these Tesla weeklies unless something drastic happens at the end of the day. NQ is coming up to the resistance zone, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, I mean, that's where the big money is, right? That's where the big money is. Yeah, I mean, you got it. To, well. uh, holding an option contract over the weekend is certainly risky, but, you know, in this market in this industry you got to take those risks sometimes and and I, when i do that i know um you know it's a much smaller position for me it's like yeah, yeah. if you get that we get that gap up and apple's higher then my trade works out great if it's not and my trade goes essentially down to zero okay it was like a small little bet for me right it's all about that risk reward um yeah. that you were talking about rick yeah especially if you're going into the weekend and you've already got some profits you could you know start scaling out some contracts to make sure that you know you're not over overexposing yourself intraday you could really take advantage of weekly options right because you're going to have that complete control chart you want to stop out place your stop level whatever it is over the weekend i mean the biggest wins i've ever had in my life are weekly options and of course it comes with swinging um last this year last year just before the end of the year i hit six thousand percent on tesla options uh, I've hit Tesla options over 3,000% uh, four times, Tilray over 3,000%, GameStop over 3,000%. But those are all weekly options where I needed to swing overnight for it to work out. I've also taken hundreds of other trades that didn't work, right? You had to immediately take it off. But big wins, what's, you so, know how so to play them right. What's on your short list of, of best stocks to trade options with? Like if you, if I could, if I said you could only pick three stocks to trade options on for the rest of your life, what three what three stocks would those be? Well, Tesla is number one. There's nothing that compares to Tesla, right? And Tesla is a rewarding stock. It's rewarding. If, even if you're a bear, there's been some great opportunities. Um, long run, it's not been good for a bear, but Tesla is the number one option stock that's out there. There's nothing that compares. But number two, only when the time is right is Amazon. Only, But the time hasn't been right for about two years because when Amazon options move, they absolutely explode. The other one I would say that's at the top of the list would be NVDA. NVDA has mm. been such a rewarding stock. I think it's undercovered the way people talk about it when they don't talk about the big, the big market. Uh, the I big agree. Market names. NVDA is up there, and it's constantly paying. It's constantly paying. AMD has been good as well. So we like to gravitate towards those names. Um, yeah. You know, right now I think the next big one, although the option chain is terrible, is Google because Google is going to do the split twenty to one come June or July. Some of the biggest trades I've ever hit in my life were the splits. Was Apple split, Tesla split, um, who was the NVDA split? Google's going to have a huge run into that split. When's it going to start? It already had a big run. Uh, but yeah, I don't even actually, you said it was June or July. I don't, I don't know when that split. I didn't bother to look when the split. July 15th. July, July 15th. 15th. Yeah. That's a relevant piece of information. We've got a lot of yeah. time, but that's going to be a huge trade. I love the NVIDIA call. I've been quoted on this show as saying that's like my favorite all-time or, or my favorite long-term stock, at least. And I agree that it's undercover. Like, I don't know how it's not being grouped with the, the rest of the FANG stocks at this point. But um, Well, it's going to replace Facebook yeah. pretty soon. Hey. Meta, meta, <laughs> meta. Uh, um, after those earnings. Wait, Rick, question from the chat here. How, how far on the weekly is how far out do you go? How far out of the money do you go? 
Well, it depends on the target. So for this case, I did like a thousand on Tesla, which is pretty far, you know, it's over a 10% move, but the implied volatility was low. So the premiums were going to move pretty quick. I'm not sure what they're trading at right now. Um, but generally I will be within a week or two. So I'm not gonna go too far out. I don't like to hold three, four weeks because when I take a trade, my trading style, BU, master your strategy, my trading style is I like to be right pretty early. So I don't want to sit and think, oh, maybe I'm going to be right. I like to be, you know, I'll take less trades, but when I believe in the, in the setup and I believe in what the market's doing, I'm going to go one or two weeks out. Um, I do have a little bit of a sizable account, so I will go common shares and a bunch of stuff as well. But when I go options, I want to go one or two weeks out. And the strike will depend on what's the premium right now? Where do I think the chart potentially could go? What, what's the pattern I'm watching? What's the target? Where's the golden pocket? Where's the fib extension? All these things are going to factor in to how far out I'm going to go. Of course, the further you go out, like when I hit 6,000, 3,000%, those trades, you have to be so far out of the money in a low IV environment and then catch the explosion, right? Further out the money, less capital you put in, the greater percentage reward. But when you go that far out the money with a low IV, you can't really commit too much capital. If you go near the money, at the money, you can enhance the capital. You can put in a bigger size. When you're going too far out the money, right, you're taking on a lot of risk. The chart could even move. If it's not impulsive, you're still not going to make, you're not going to be profitable off of it. So that's the risk. You have to really understand options. People like, you know, you see options, you see people's returns on options, you immediately want to get into it. I recommend you start with a very small account. And idea, ideally, you lose. Ideally, you lose in the beginning because you really need to understand the power. I was you, I was just thinking about that the other day, my first option trade ever, you know, thinking back to it. And it's like, God, I, I did so well right when I first started. I thought it was going to be that easy and I never really learned a, a strategy. And then uh, over time, it, it's it's caused me to, to get better once you start losing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, most traders or so-called traders, they're not successful trading common shares. They see the results in options and they think that's going to be their, you know they're saving grace. Uh, it's not, it's going to make it worse, especially if you're successful in the beginning, cause you're just going to blow up eventually. You have to really understand, like, you know, if you're trying to learn options, paper trade it or start with a very small account, you got a, you got a six figure account, start with $3,000. Don't even put, don't even get yeah. to the five figure, start very small to understand, watch the option change, watch how a monthly move moves versus a weekly. Um, it's so much to learn. It's so much to understand, but, uh, I mean, that's where, that's where you can make some big bucks if you get it right. All right. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I've, I've very much enjoyed uh, talking to you. Uh, Rick DaCosta from uh, Financially Independent Traders, FITraders.com is the website. Rick, uh, thanks for coming on Benzinga Live today. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend and uh, talk to you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Cheers. All right. Um, so, uh, Aaron, at, at, at the behest of... Uh, Luke Jacoby, and then I have to be—I have to be honest. I, part of me feels kind of dumb here, um, but I, I assumed earlier that someone else was was going to do this. So we talked about Andrew Left. Someone dropped this in the in that chat in the chat that Andrew Left had had his uh had his computers um, seized by the FBI today as part of as part of this uh this uh probe into short selling. So I, I did reach out to Andrew um, to try and get him on the, on if not this show, a show. Uh, and if that happens, I will let you know. But but uh, it's not looking not looking positive right now. I if know, I were him, I would want to go. I imagine sure. he has lawyers telling him not to speak publicly, which is totally fine. Um, but uh, um, speaking of 
Uh, well, not 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 rest in peace, Citron. First of all, he doesn't even short anymore. Yeah, he, they went long only. He's he's got a long only fund now. Um, can we pull up Benzinga Pro real quick? We can always pull up Benzinga Pro right now. I've got a stock that spiked in the last like five minutes. Is it Clorox? No. Oh, what is it? Uh, Dweck. MP Meta Platforms. FB. What? Uh, wait, I'm confused. Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's that about? I don't know. You guys see that too? What's that about? On volume too. Woo! What is going on here? We got news. News me. Jim Habash, you've held NVIDIA for a decade. Kudos to you. What a great decade to hold the stock. News me. Does anyone know why Facebook is spiking? Facebook. Maybe people thought it got too cheap. Cheap, I, cheap I just want to say I've been on record as not like as not liking the Facebook stock for like over for probably two two years at this point. I know I've always given the long term case for on the Oculus AR VR side of it, but I think hearing with, with the way the leadership of Facebook talks about that side, where they're like, "Yeah, we're it's kind of a bet. Like we don't know what's going to happen." I've become less bullish on that side of the business. Yeah. Wait. Oh, sorry, Jim. I thought you were. I thought I thought you were giving us news, but. He was just saying he owned them both for uh, two years. Okay, six years. Uh, we got to hop because the roadmap is going live right now. Last, ro- I'm sorry, not roadmap. Today's Friday. Moon or bust. Moon or bust. It's a moon or bust kind of a day. Today. Moon or bust. Logan and Ryan, the crypto boys. That's what we call them here. Oh, Twilio's also up. No, I didn't get into the trade yet. Shoot! I said I liked it into crypto boys Logan and Ryan talking about what's hot in crypto land coming up next on Benzinga. We'll catch you guys next week. I'll catch you guys in an hour and a half for the at the close show with Joel. Everyone smash that like button for us. If you don't check out Benzinga Pro, what the hell are you even doing with your life? Check it out. It's free for two weeks. Pro.Benzinga.com. Let's end the show today with a commercial.